Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is July 2, July 2nd, 2015. It's Thursday. It's about eight minutes after noon Pacific time. If all that's true where you're at, you can participate in this show. You can do that several different ways. You can call in 800-932-1980. Okay, 800-932-1980. You can also go to the chat room, which is located on our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Look for the chat link, click it, go on in there, it's easy, and you'll be uh, participating. You can also instant message me, uh, privately, meaning just you, me, and the NSA, through Yahoo Instant Messenger. The screen name is AVRN Talk. Hey, I say that jokingly, but it's really not a joke, folks. You know, and it's not a joke. You know, it, it applies to anything over the internet. Keep that in mind. You know, when you communicate over the internet, and that that includes your phone. Okay, that includes your phone. You are being recorded. Now, what they do with that, hey, who knows? You know, they're recording a billion people. Uh, What are they doing with that? Now, if they target you and decide, well, we want to cause trouble for this one, of course they're going to, you know, focus in and save them and pick through them and, you know, manipulate them like uh, our free press does. You know, when they take a 911 call and, monkey it around and edit it up so it makes you sound like uh, you're some kind of racist looking to shoot down black men on the street when really the 911 operator asked you yeah what race I'm sorry I can't tell you because uh, that would be racist would that be the correct answer really in an emergency situation uh huh sure Right. Okay. Well, anyway, you know, that's the that's the whole thing. That is a uh, a question that people need to actually think about because we are fed paranoia through our own alter alternative media. There are some bullhorn blowhards out there that all they do all day is scream the sky is falling you're under surveillance they're coming to get you blah 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 be afraid be very afraid all the time <laughs> and buy my dvd but really some of that's true but some of it ain't because really look at it If you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, that's it. We have the capability to record and store every communication that goes over the Internet in the whole world. But let's just focus on America, 330 million people. Okay, so good. You've got that capability and you decide, well, if we can do it, let's do it. So you're doing it. You're recording every communication that goes over the Internet. All right. All right, and let's just say you can even pinpoint exactly who's saying what. 
Now what? What are you going to do with it? I mean, you have it all. There it is. Uh, All right, I'm not going to argue that point because, hey, probably they do have the capability. So now what are you going to do with it? What is the purpose of this? Just to go after a few people you don't like here and there? See, I believe that's just a side product of what they're really doing. Yeah, that's just a bonus. Oh, good. Now we can go after anybody we want, anytime we want, and construct evidence to make their life miserable. Yay! But... Is that really the real reason? Are you really going to collect 300 million bits of information? Well, lots more bits of information, but off of 300 million people, just so you can go after what? Maybe 10,000, maybe 100,000, maybe even a million people. What? Really? I don't think so. I think there's another purpose. There would have to be one there, because that's ridiculous. That's inefficient. It's a waste of resources. It's stupid. And they're not stupid. As much as we'd like to just sit there and go, boy, are these people idiots. They're not idiots. What they're doing, they're doing on purpose. They're doing with intent, and they have an agenda. It's not by accident because they're bumbling morons. That's what they play on TV. Because they would rather have you believe that they are just morons that can't do anything right than for you to really know the truth about what they're doing. You understand the difference between, oh, you poor dumb bastard. Oh, you're just so stupid. It's just, it's pathetic. It really is. Why do we keep you around? Yes, why indeed. But anyway... They are around, and that's what people think. Wouldn't, if you were the bumbling idiot, wouldn't you rather have people think you're just a moron rather than you are an evil conspirator working to destroy their lives and their way of life and their children's future? Wouldn't you rather they just think you're an idiot Because, you know, chances are, if they actually found out and believed that you were deliberately, with intent, pursuing an agenda that will destroy their children's future, you might hunt them down and kill them. And they don't want that. So better to just be an idiot. That's what I believe is going on. And, of course, the media promotes that. But back to all this information they're collecting, what's the purpose? What could they possibly be using all that for? Well, I think they're they're running it through. We know they have these supercomputers. We don't hear much about them anymore. Now we hear artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence. Well, artificial intelligence grew out of supercomputers. And you don't need supercomputers. I mean, you don't need artificial intelligence for data collection and compilation. A supercomputer can do that just fine. And they've got lots of them. Hey, the computer you got on your desk right now in the 1950s would have been considered a supercomputer.
So what I believe they're doing, I think they're feeding all this into their their deal. Every little bit of information, insignificant, stupid stuff that you'd go, who cares if they know what I had for dinner last night because I'm a moron posting pictures of my food on my FedBook page every day. Who cares if they see what kind of wine I'm drinking? Who cares if they know what kind of clothes? Who cares if they know when my kid was born? Who cares if they know that I'm going to the... Well, yeah, who cares? Well, obviously they care because they're collecting it. Why? It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, what if you feed all these insignificant things into a computer? That computer is going to build a profile. And the more information that computer can add into that profile, the more accurate that profile is going to be. And once they have a profile of you, this is psychology, folks, sociology. Once they have a profile of you that's fairly accurate, now they can make fairly accurate predictions about how you will react to certain stimuli or stimulus. You get what I'm saying? They can determine, if we get on the air and say this, this is how society as a whole is going to react. That doesn't mean that's how you are going to react or any individual is going to react, but the herd is going to act this way. That's sociology, and I'm telling you, before supercomputers, sociology is very accurate in large groups. And 300 million people is a large group, folks. This is not something I'm making up. Go read a book for crying out loud. I mean, it, it, they print these things and they tell you all this stuff. Go get a sociology textbook. I'm sure they're online or something. Read about this because it's very interesting because sociology is a very accurate uh, what would you say, subset of psychology? Because psychology deals with the individual. So psychology is the whole, okay, let me get all this information about you, let me make a profile about you, and then let me try to predict what you are going to do. Well, you can be generally in the ballpark with that, but you're going to be wrong a lot in your predictions and you're going to be wrong a lot in your predictions because individuals are unpredictable we act outside our nature sometimes we act outside our comfort zone sometimes we don't do what people expect us to do sometimes that's the nature of an individual that's why psychology is just a bunch of crap okay that's why the answer to everything when you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist is well What do you think about that? How do you feel about that? You know what? If I needed to know what I felt about that, I wouldn't need you here, white coat. And that's the the reason it is like that is because they got nothing to say. They got no input. They got no answers. They're running a scam. However, their little scam about collecting on individuals, when it's put together in a group becomes a very accurate predictive tool. And it also becomes a very effective manipulative tool. 
Because if you know how the herd is going to react to any stimulus you put into it, you can manipulate the herd's behavior. And this is what they've been doing. Now, they have the ability to collect even more information. They have the computing capabilities to put it all together and create profiles. They put those profiles together, and they have a very, very accurate picture of the herd. Kind of spooky. Kind of minority reportish, And that's where the individual stuff comes in. From a predictive, manipulative point of view, the individual, and I'm not saying it can't be done, it's just difficult. It's just unreliable. It's not going to work all the time. You're going to have a lot of failure when you deal with individuals and you're trying to manipulate them or uh, predict what they're going to do. You're going to have a big failure rate. You're not going to be very accurate. You might try to use it, but you can't count on it, okay, as you can with the herd. However, from a commercial point of view, individual information like this compiled to the degree of they know what kind of underwear you're wearing, huh? what kind of wine, what you had for dinner, what, 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 yeah. See, that gives them the real good ability to say, like, when you're walking down the street, and one of the television screens that they're going to put up for ads and commercialism will say, Hi there, Frank. Hey, how would you like, how would you, hey, how do you feel about a refurbished uh, laptop for only, oh, wow, I'm interested in that. Let me stop and think, oh, hmm, maybe I should go look at those. Now, how would they know that I would even be interested in that? Well, of course, they have the information that I ordered one over the Internet. You could be walking down there and they go, hey, you need chicken, don't you? Blah, 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 blah. Well, well, well hmm, I do like chicken. Why would I? Oh, well, just let's see, because uh, you posted on your Fedbook page that you had chicken something the other night that you cooked yourself with a certain kind of wine and all this stuff. So now they're hawking this stuff to you down the street. See, it's very effective from a commercial perspective, the individual information. But as far as you're, uh, you know, using that to predict and manipulate, uh, they're going to have a big failure rate, but not with the herd. They're going to have a huge, huge accuracy rate with the herd. And this is what I believe they're doing. They are manipulating. They are engineering society. And they're using the information that you provide them over the Internet. Now, people wonder, well, gosh, you know, gee, they must have really made a big, bad mistake. Because, after all, remember, they're idiots, right? To open up the Internet and let the little people use it. Oh, look at the information that has exploded. They're insane. They must have never counted on all this happening and all that and blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that. They knew what was going to happen. They knew what was going to happen. And what has happened? Has the Internet created a renaissance of intelligence in America? Is that what you're seeing? 
because that's not what I'm seeing. The Internet for most people, the vast majority of people, is a toy. Okay? It's a toy. They use it as a toy. They don't use it to better their education or uh, boost their intelligence or learn more things or find out the truth. They use it as a toy. They use it to get on and brag about how much money they make or what they had for dinner. Look at my kid. Isn't that cute? Or whatever. Social media. Games. You think they didn't know that? You think they didn't figure out through sociology what Americans would do? Gee, what do you think they'll do if we open up this Internet to them? They knew what the herd was going to do. I believe they opened up the Internet specifically for the reason of collecting data. So they could build a profile of society so they could better engineer it. And that's what's going on. I mean, hey, I can believe what I want to believe, but you can't argue with what is happening. Maybe it all did just happen by accident. Oops! Oh my, isn't this handy? Gosh, we're such a bunch of bumbling idiots. Isn't it lucky we stumbled upon this idea? Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. Here's something really not interesting. But, uh... Here's the headlines. Hillary's secret Santa revealed... (laughs) Yeah, well, it's an email mystery of Hitlery, and and this is a complete, such an obvious attempt by the mainstream media to divert the whole Hillary email scandal to, oh, that's, uh, ha, 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 isn't that ridiculous? Yes, it is ridiculous, and they act as though, yes, this is the, uh, here we go. This oh hey yeah, uh, the latest email mystery tied to Hillary Clinton: the identity of Santa. Oh yeah, buried in three thousand pages of Clinton's emails released Tuesday night by the State Department. This is the kind of emails that the State Department is releasing. Two references to someone named Santa. Who then got on? Who got on the then Secretary of State's calendar in 2009? On one occasion, a few days after the Fourth of July, she cited, "quote seeing Santa at 8:30" as the reason her plane couldn't take off on time. This is all very suspicious, isn't it? Months later, she passed on the opportunity to schedule a meeting in Philadelphia because, quote, I need to see Santa around 745. Oh, this is getting very, very suspicious. Well, it's all distraction on purpose. It's a cover for Hillary Clinton by the mainstream media. In this case, the Daily Mail, which a lot of us, uh, you know, look to for real news. But here they are running interference for Hillary Clinton because 
Santa is her Chappaqua hairstylist. Yeah, it's her hairstylist. His name is Santa Nichols. N-I-K-K-E-L-S. He does Bill and Hillary's hair. Mm-hmm. Now, either that's a lie. They found a guy named Santa somewhere who's a hairstylist and said, yeah, that's why. Or it's true. But either way, they're covering for Hillary Clinton. That's not news, okay, that she canceled something because of a hairstylist. Unless it's news to you that Hillary Clinton is a vain, selfish, self-absorbed criminal who doesn't care about anything except her own self because she really feels as though she's royalty. Unless that's news to you, this shouldn't be news. Oh, let's see. What else? Now, uh, you probably heard Bernie Sanders, the socialist from Vermont. And and I'm not just saying that because he's a Democrat, because he's actually a socialist, okay? I mean, he says he's a socialist, so I'm going to take him at his word. Um, But he's filling stadiums and... People are listening to him because, really, even Democrats are sick of Hillary Clinton. You know, they know that she's just a liar. And, you know, really, the rank and file, the everyday Democrat, I believe, while they may have serious communist leanings, they would really like to see a better world and everybody treated fairly and have people have homes and, you know, livable wages and all that good stuff. I I think they would. I think that's especially older Democrats, you know, that, you, you know, before the Democratic Party went completely communist, and I mean completely because they've always been a little communist, well, not a little more than a little, but hey. And even they can see that Hillary Clinton is a fraud, and she, you know, and the one thing about the Democrats and Hillary Clinton is, You know, she could be a big, fat communist, and they'd love her. But what they don't love about her is that she also cozies up to corporations. It's where she gets all her money and all her wealth, and she's not a regular person. She is a privileged, wealthy insider. And that's something a lot of Democrats really don't like, even though they're communists, because, see... They're deluded communists that believe in the paper communist. What I mean by a paper communist is, you know, when you go and say, well, okay, let me find out what is communism. And you go look it up and you find a, you know, an encyclopedia and it tells you what communism is. Well, that sounds pretty good. Huh. Everybody contributes and everybody benefits and uh, everybody's happy and we're all one big happy group that have everything we need because we all take care of each other. Wow, this sounds great, right? Well, yeah, and if you, uh, you know, if you if you go by that, yeah, you're going to say, well, that doesn't sound bad. Well, yeah, but you're not taking into account the reality of communism 
in practice, that's actually been in practice in the world. It's much different than what's on paper. That's like reading our Constitution and thinking that's what America is today. Oh, come on, man. You're not, nobody in this country is delusional enough to believe that, oh, yes, I read the Constitution and I see America 2015. I read the Constitution and I have to ask, oh, really? Do they have unicorns there too? Because that's not where I live. How about you? Well, it's the same thing with communism. You know, they read about it and they, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Well, yeah, okay, but, you know, that's not what's in practice. But they still have this aversion to corporations and the privileged class. And Hillary Clinton is so much the privileged class that she can't even hide it from her deluded communist friends. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Stop that roadhouse Sure. 
right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 2nd of July, 2015, Thursday, and it's about 1242 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And uh, if that's all true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. You know, July 2nd is a... uh, is a day I won't forget because it was the day I was finally released from the military. And uh, I got to say, it was really, it's one of those moments where you, you just don't ever forget it. It was one of the happiest days of my life, I can tell you. Um, and I'll never forget walking out the gate of Great Lakes Naval Training Center, knowing I never, ever have to come back to this hellhole again. Yeah, you know, I didn't uh, appreciate my military service at the time. I have uh, later in life uh, appreciated it because, uh, you know, I've realized throughout life a lot of the things I learned, the training and the... uh, just the growing up part, okay, uh, really helped me a lot throughout my life, you know, and, and so, you know, I look back and I appreciate my time in the military for that, and I had a lot of, you know, times of that were a lot of fun, you know, with the guys in the military, we, we had fun, from time to time. We had some good times. It wasn't all horrible and terrible and all that. But uh, the main thing I didn't like about the military was, uh, well, the whole military structure. <laughs> okay, so uh, that was the that was the bad part. You know, and I've heard it said, well, that's because, you know, you were in the regular service and you didn't... Uh, you know, you didn't, uh, you should have been in something, you should have went into something uh, more special. Less rules, less regiment, less, you know, more, just get the, uh, you know, just get the uh, job done sort of, you know, thing. But I wasn't really interested in that either. You know, I, you know, I, honestly, I went in the military because I didn't see many other options for me at the time. I wouldn't go to college. Uh, I didn't really have very many skills. You know, so I was like, well, uh, hmm, what do I do? And dad's telling me, hey, I've been telling you when you're 18, you know, bye-bye. And, you know, that sounds kind of kind of hard. Uh, a lot of you might think, oh, my gosh, what a terrible man throwing his son out like that. Well, look, he started telling me when I was 13 that's how it's going to be. You know, hey, here's a five years to figure out what you want to do when you're 18 because uh, we'll help you, but you got to make a decision. Well, huh, you know, I didn't. And they were willing to send me to college. I wouldn't go. So, you know, saying, well, okay then, you're still leaving, (laughs) you know, isn't all that harsh. 
So I went in the military, and I believe, and this is why, you know, I don't follow when people tell me, oh, all these kids are joining the military because they love America, they want to fight for our freedom, they want to protect our liberties, and all this, ah, blah, 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 BS. They're looking for a paycheck and a place to live, just like I was. Sure, there's a kid here and there that's all brainwashed up real good, wants to go defend the country and uh, our invisible liberties and all this other stuff. But they are the they are the vast minority. Most kids are going in the military because they got nothing else to do. They are what amounts to mercenaries, because folks, when <laughs> when you're only joining the military for the paycheck, you are a mercenary. Okay? You're a mercenary. Sure, you might live in the country that you're being a mercenary for, but you're still a mercenary. And that never really works out well for... It never has worked out well in history. Okay? Countries have never done well by having a mercenary army. It always has backfired. Now, will it be different this time? Sure, let's all go insane and say, well, we're just going to do the same thing everybody's always done, but we're going to have different results. Sure. Everybody now on three, take your Prozac because uh, that's, you know, that's national insanity right there to believe that. Because if we do the same thing everybody else has done, we're going to get the same results. And, there's, and the results of having a mercenary army have always been bad. Uh, you might even say very bad. But that's where we're at. That's what it is. And then we got groups like ISIS. Now, if you haven't kept up, and it's not just me. There is evidence mounting that ISIS is nothing more than the U.S. government mercenary force. They cover them up and say, well, they're ISIS. Oh, yeah, okay. And under those things is mostly white guys. How'd that happen? When did everybody in the Arab world turn white? And wear sneakers. When, when did this happen? Uh, well, anyway. So, just another indicator. Okay? Just another thing wrong. Just something else to look at in our collapse. People who deny what's going on are, are really not doing themselves any good. You know, like it or not, I don't like it, but hey, I see it coming. You know what? It's going to be over 100 degrees here today. I don't like that. But you know what? For me to deny it's happening is just insane. Well, it's not hot. It's not 100 degrees. It's not hot. No, that's not happening. It's 70 and breezy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's good. What's that going to do for me? I can say that all day long, but if it's still 100 degrees, it's still 100 degrees. And that's what's going on in America. 
We have foundational problems. The structure is collapsing in this country. You know, the building might not fall down yet. Everybody's looking at the building going, what? What? It still looks good. Oh, sure, a couple windows are cracked, but hey, overall, the building's still there. The building still looks good, but uh, yeah, nobody go look at the foundation. Don't go in the basement and look at the foundation where you're going to see these big gaping cracks that are that are wobbling and the whole thing is moving and it's about to crumble in the dust and the whole thing's going to fall down. But don't pay any attention to that. Just go outside and look at the pretty building. Yeah, it looks good to me. That's America, man. The foundations of this country have been pretty much destroyed. And you know what the foundation of this country was? What you think democracy? Wrong. It was Christianity. And it doesn't mean Christianity in the fact that, well, everybody was a Christian and that made, uh, you know, because each individual was a Christian. No, this country has always accepted other people's beliefs. However, we, up until recently, always also accepted that our government, our form of government, at its core and its foundation, relied on Christian principles. That doesn't mean everybody has to be a Christian to live in America. It means the government will be run on Christian principles. That was the foundation of this nation. You know, because to argue that, well, yes, back in the old days, all our leaders were good Christian men is insane. They were not good Christian men. Some of them were. Most of them weren't. But, they understood the value of Christian principles. You don't have to be Christian to live by Christian principles. Matter of fact, you might see people and go, wow, that, that guy's a really good guy or girl. You know, helps the poor, you know, feeds the hungry, heals the sick. Man, it's just a, you know, really nice individual there and uh, they're really nice and they... They're friendly and they're, you know, they seem to really love people. And then you go and say, hi, you know, what are you? Oh, I'm an atheist. Oh. And Christians walk away confused. Well, how can an atheist be, 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 uh, that atheist seem more of a Christian than the people at my church? Yeah. Well, that's not hard to do now, is it? Hmm. But the fact is, an atheist can live by Christian principles without actually being a Christian. Anybody can. And that's what the United States of America was founded on. Christian principles. And they made a point to say, look, part of Christian principles is to accept other people at at whatever they believe. But you're going to live by our principles here. You can believe whatever you want to believe. You can worship in your own place, whatever, how you want to. But as far as public life, 
you're going to live by Christian principles in public because that is the foundation of this nation. We have let that go. And you see how well it's working, right? And it's just going to get worse. Because this government can't help itself. I mean, this last ruling from the Supreme Court is, is akin to poking God in the eye. Yeah. And <laughs> I doubt it's going to go without uh, some sort of response. Uh, and a just response. But that's where we're at. So, you know, people like Barack Obama can say, well, this isn't a Christian nation anymore. Well, you know what? He's right. Because the scumbags like him have made that so. And he is a scumbag. You know, some people say, well, you know, he's the president. You should still give him a certain amount of respect. I'm sorry, I disagree. He's not my president. He's not my president, and I don't think he's anybody's president. He's a usurper, which would make him a scumbag. And I know for a fact he has committed treason. As a matter of fact, he's probably committing treason right now. He has violated his oath of office blatantly. He's directed administrative agencies to disregard the law when his oath specifically demands that he faithfully execute the laws. So, I consider that treason. And this TPP, he is giving aid and comfort to our enemies. In a time of war, I might add. Hey, we're having currency wars, remember? Yeah, we're having all kinds of wars. Well, anyway, let's see here. Uh, I suppose things could be worse. We could be in a big mushroom cloud. But hey, oh wait. You might not have to wait too much longer on that. Because here's a here's an article. Going nuclear on Russia. Mm-hmm. We all remember how in early June, President Putin announced that Russia would deploy more than 40 new ICBMs able to overcome even the most technically advanced anti-missile defense system. Oh dear, the Pentagon and their European minions have been freaking out on overdrive ever since. First was NATO Secretary General Norwegian figurehead Jens Stoltenberg, who condemned it as nuclear saber-rattling. Yes, now, wait a minute, this comes from the group that's parking nuclear missiles along Russia's border. Okay, we just moved into former Soviet satellite countries and decided to start parking our tactical nuclear weapons on their border. Gee, who's nuclear? Oh, but we didn't say anything, so we're not saber-rattling. Okay. Then there's Lieutenant General Stephen Wilson, the head of U.S. Global Air Strike Command, as in the man responsible for U.S. ICBMs and nuclear bombers. At a recent briefing in London, they've annexed a country 
changing international borders, raising rhetoric unlike we've heard since the Cold War times. Wait a minute. Annexed a country? This man is confused because that's what the U.S. did with the Ukraine. The United States annexed the Ukraine. See, these people just get out there and lie. I mean, they'll tell you exactly the opposite of the truth. Not even a little lie, not even a stretching of the truth. No, 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 no. This is a 180 degrees lie. It was the United States that overthrew the democratically elected pro-Soviet Ukrainian government during their Olympics. <laughs> you know, and, and people read the, you know stuff like this and they just believe it. Oh, it's like the weapons over there. Or whatever. And it's like, oh, the, the Russians, you got to worry about the Russians. Or the Chinese are going to attack us. This is never, ever, there's not one shred of evidence throughout history that this would be the case. But yet, oh, they spoke it, so it must be true because I'm a moron. That set the stage for the required Nazi parallel. Some of the actions by Russia recently we haven't seen since the 1930s when whole countries were annexed and borders were changed by decree. Gee, you mean like uh, what the UN did in Israel? Huh? Annex the country, move the borders around, huh? Yeah, you mean like that? You mean like the whole Middle East was created? Those are not historic borders. These are not historic borders of these countries that are going on in the Middle East now. That was all done by the British, basically. Unbelievable. These people are just... And and the problem is, people don't know. Because they're not taught in school. Well, we gotta go. I'll be back again tonight. We have a full, full day coming up. So, don't go anywhere. And as always, thanks for listening. prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. 
Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. And this is Financial Survival for Thursday, second day of July, year of our Lord, 2015. My co-host is Melody Cedarstrom, but she is missing in action today. She claims that there's uh, some sort of a power outage in her in her part of the country, and uh, therefore she cannot attend today's festivities. And so I will have to carry on all by myself. Uh, let's start with the market report. Gold is down three bucks uh, to eleven thousand one thousand one hundred sixty-six dollars and thirty cents per ounce. Silver is up nine cents to fifteen dollars and seventy-four cents per ounce. Plate uh, platinum is up one buck to one thousand eighty-seven. Palladium is down four dollars to $696 per ounce. See, we've got over in the equities markets. You know, gold has had, this has been a, you know, an unpleasant week for gold. We've fallen 30 points, $30 on the price of gold this week or thereabouts. But part of the reason for that, and probably the primary reason, is that the U.S. dollar index, which was down near 94 the end of last week, is now up to 96.07. And as the dollar index goes up, the value of the dollar goes up, the price of gold goes down. This is evidence of inflation, or excuse me, deflation on the international level because the dollar is gaining value relative to half a dozen foreign currencies, including the euro, the yen, the pound, the Canadian dollar, and I can't recall the others. But the point is, I think the Swiss, uh, in any case, dollar is gaining value, and as it does, prices um, denominated in dollars tend to fall. 
And so we've got that teeter-totter effect going on. But the main problem gold has had for the past couple of weeks is that the dollar has gone into deflation, and it's been in deflation for over a year now. The the U.S. dollar index has risen from 80 to almost 100 for for a while. Um, it's still up something like 20% compared to where, where it was a year ago. Uh, this hasn't been good for gold. But it can't be good for the government either because the government is the world's biggest debtor. And deflation is practically suicidal. It poses a mortal threat to all debtors because under terms of deflation, you wind up paying off your debts with more expensive dollars. You borrow $100,000 from the bank. If you borrow it during a period of inflation, when you pay off the $100,000, the dollars are worth substantially less than the $100,000 that you borrowed. You still pay off $100,000, but it has less purchasing power. It means that debtors are enriched by inflation. Inflation encourages people to go into debt. But the opposite is true when we go into deflation. When the dollar becomes more valuable during a period of deflation, it means the debtors must pay off their debts with more expensive dollars. And again, it's a little confusing because they're paying off $100,000. Yeah. But it would the, the $100,000 that you pay off as compared to the original $100,000 you borrowed is more expensive. It's more valuable. And the result is, the net result, even though it doesn't show up on the books, people repaying debt during periods of deflation are paying more money than they borrowed. And that tends to push them into bankruptcy. And the point to this, and we've talked about it in the past, but the point to this is that the federal government is the biggest debtor in the world. And insofar as deflation is terrible for debtors, the government can't continue to allow the dollar to be deflated. They made, I, I am amazed to some degree that they've allowed it to go on for over a year. But in the end, they have to have inflation. If they don't, it'll cause the dollar, the government to default on its loans, It'll put us into a position analogous to that of Greece. Um, but we wait to see when will government begin to cause inflation, if it can cause inflation. And if it can't, then the government's in big trouble. And if it causes inflation, price of gold's going to go up. If it doesn't cause significant inflation and allows deflation to continue, the government debts will become overwhelming. Government will be unable to pay all of its debts. Um, the government may be put under enough stress where even the dollar dies. You know, you can't... If The dollar will be under so much stress that the government, the the, the ultimately... If the dollar has to be protected 
if the government has to be protected, they have to produce inflation or perhaps even hyperinflation. But the government can't withstand deflation for an endless period of time. They can deal with inflation. They can deal with that almost forever. You know, you can take the dollar and you can, we've seen, you hear the ads on the program where the value of the dollar has lost 95% or more of its purchasing power in the last 30, 40 years. Um, But it doesn't matter on one level. We can take the dollar and turn it into where its value is only a nickel due to inflation. And the dollar still functions. We can inflate further and drop the purchasing power of the dollar down to one penny as compared to what it was in 1971. Doesn't matter. Dollar can still function. We can take that dollar and we can drop the purchasing power from a penny down to a tenth of a penny. And the dollar can still function. But they can't deal. That's inflation. Um, it's like the it's like the Zimbabwean dollar. It went through billions of percents of inflation and continued to function poorly, but it continued to function for some time until finally people lost confidence in it. And when they lose confidence in the dollar, then it's gone. And then it's bye-bye, at which point in time price of gold is going to increase dramatically, if not before. Um, in any case, let me get on with the market. I'm just saying my main point is U.S. dollar has been up over the last week on the U.S. dollar index. Gold has been down, and that's basically what we're looking at. Uh, Dow Jones is down 23 points today to 17,735. NASDAQ is down three points to 5,010. New York Stock Exchange is down 0.16, which is a triviality, to 10,858. Crude oil. Down 32 cents per barrel to $56.64 per barrel. That's consistent with the dollar gaining value. The price of other things would fall as the dollar gains a value. Uh, Where are we? Let's see what else we've got to talk about here without melody. Here's one that I'll talk about. Let's just start this. This is an interesting story. This is from Bloomberg. And the headline is 2.8 million pot munchies and other numbers from Colorado's first year of retail marijuana. It's been a year now that Colorado has been able to sell marijuana. You've been able to smoke and purchase smoke marijuana and purchase it legally in Colorado. And here are some of the reports. The Bloomberg is telling us some of the numbers. Colorado's Grand Maritime or Marijuana Retail Agreement resulted in almost 20 tons of pot sold to recreational users in 2014. It was the first year of legal recreational sales in the state, thus the first time statewide retail market for marijuana could be quantified. Before Colorado, no government in the U.S. had ever allowed retail sales. The state had previously allowed medical pot, which was uh, which has low taxes but requires a doctor's uh, prescription. Recreational marijuana sales, however, which became legal in January 2014, 
open the door to any buyer age 21 and over. Retail sales carry a heavy tax burden. Colorado collected $63 million in tax revenue and an additional $13 million in licensing and fees on $699 million of combined medical and recreational pot sales in 2014. The point is, Government of Colorado is making some money off the sale of pot. That should be a lot of states under current circumstances. They're looking at that and they're saying, you know, we're we're strapped financially. We could sure use some more tax revenue. And so what they're essentially doing is they say, well, why don't we compete with those people that are selling drugs on the street corners? They're making a bunch of money and we're not getting any of it. And so they've legalized pot so they can go into the drug dealing business themselves and start catching and they're going to they're going to make a tax on it. And uh, just like a drug dealer, drug pusher, government's now pushing certain drugs or at least pot and they're making a profit off of it. They're generating some tax revenue. Now, other other states are looking at this and they're thinking we really need the money. And why should. Why should the drug dealers keep all the money they make selling pot when the government uh, could get a percentage? So they've legalized, at least in California, and more will think about doing so. Now, the the interesting thing about this, oh, there's there's some other points on this also. One market where retail stores, they see, all told, retailers sold almost 40,000 pounds of pot in 2014, there are 2,850,733 edibles sold at retail stores. They're using pot in things like gummy bears and different products, and you can eat the pot. Right? That's also part of the market. One market where retail stores have dominated medical dispensaries is the sale of marijuana-infused edible products, which include gummy bears, tapenetta, and, yes, brownies. <laughs> Sales of food... Made with marijuana helped retail sales of edibles surpass those of medical dispensaries by April. December saw 360,000 marijuana-infused items sold across the state, making it the single busiest month of the year. Colorado said that the trend suggests that retail marijuana products are viable products for retail consumers. So it's not just selling pot that you can smoke. They're selling pot that you can eat. All right. This is a drug whose time has come, perhaps. Pot is what's for dinner. Understand? And for breakfast, too. Snap, crackle, pop, rice stoners. The big question here. Now, this is where it really gets interesting. Colorado has legalized pot. Okay. The government has argued for years that pot is, a, is, a, is an entry-level drug. They've kind of admitted that it wasn't all that harmful by itself, but they've said, look, you start smoking pot, and it's only a question of time before you start doing cocaine or crack or heroin or whatever else. Hmm? And so in order to protect us from the serious drugs, government had to criminalize less serious drugs. We're going to have a chance to test that theory out in Colorado. We are going to find out whether or not the sale of illegal drugs in Colorado 
has increased or decreased since marijuana was legalized. Given that marijuana is legalized, and I know it's a different drug from heroin and crack and cocaine, and the different drugs have different effects, and there's some people that prefer some drugs to another, whether they're legal or they're not. But I'm wondering if, by legalizing marijuana, the government actually reduced the amount of illegal drugs that are being sold in Colorado. Are people who are inclined to do drugs, are they satisfied with pot? And they say, why take a chance on doing heroin, cocaine, or crack? Now, I know it's a different drug and it's a different kind of high. Those are different drugs with different kinds of high. But just the same, I'm wondering how many people are going to sit back and say, I don't need those other drugs. I'm going to deal with just marijuana because at least I can't get thrown in jail. And the implication here, this question, don't have an answer. I mean, we'll watch and see. If marijuana, they sell, they've legalized marijuana, if it increases the public's use in Colorado of other drugs, then the push to legalize marijuana in other parts of the country is going to be restricted, inhibited, diminished. But if it turns out they do a study and say, damn, by legalizing marijuana, you'll never guess what happened. We've cut the use of heroin, cocaine, crack by 20%. Well, if the numbers turn out like that, there are going to be people around the country, governments are going to start screaming to legalize, state governments will start screaming to legalize pot. It would be it might be one of the most, legalization of pot might be one of the most effective devices to reduce the use of other hard and prohibited drugs. So, what do you think? Does that strike you as a, as a credible possibility? Um, we'll have to watch and see, but it will undoubtedly come out. Might be another year before we hear that kind of information, but we're going to find out. Does legalizing pot cause people to say, hey, I don't have time to do coke, uh, crack, or heroin. I, I'll just do the pot, and at least I won't go to prison. Hmm? We're going to slow down the other drugs? I think they might. We'll watch and see. I'm Alfred Addis. This is Financial Survival. I'll be back in just a moment. Please stay tuned. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. 
That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adams here on Financial Survival. Melody's not here today. The power's out at her location. And so I am doing this program all by myself. Here's an article. We'll talk a little about politics during this segment. Uh, Here's an article from the Washington Times. Admission of Hillary Clinton's classified emails opens door for feds to seize her servers. Now, this is an interesting article because... I am it it doesn't it doesn't give me enough information where I know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. You know, is the glass half empty, half full? What is this? The State Department on Wednesday conceded the two dozen of Hillary Rodham Clinton's emails did not did contain classified information. A fact that could trigger US policy uh that authorizes the government to take control of her private server and sanitize the contents. In other words, Hillary Clinton's email had some uh, stack of 55,000 items, if I understand correctly, that were kept on her private server. They've identified some of them that included classified information. Under government law and or policy, the government has a right to seize the server's that contain this classified information. The purpose of the seizure is to protect the classified information from being revealed to the public and or foreign adversaries or whatever. Um, But is this good or bad for Hillary? 
The procedures are spelled out by the National Security Agency's Special Panel on Controlling Leaked Secrets, called the Commer Committee for National on National Security Systems. It published a policy securing data and handling spillage events that fits the case of Mrs. Clinton's unauthorized private server kept at her home while she was Secretary of State, according to the retired officer's reading of the regulation. States, uh, states the policy, quote, malicious attacks are alarming. In other words, the attacks from China, for example, that try to hack into our computer systems to see what information they can gain. Malicious attacks are alarming, but more often spillages occur from unintended user error or negligence. Right? They're saying we lose more information by accident than we do by intent, or at least we expose more classified information by accident or negligence than we do by foreign hackers non-governmental hackers trying to break into the system. Hillary Clinton's server has classified information and should be taken by the government and sanitized, wiped clean, or destroyed. Now, does that mean that Hillary is in deeper trouble as her email are revealed to the public? In other words, if the government seizes this, the, this, her server's, Will the email be, will all 55,000 of her email, will they be revealed to the public except for the ones that contain classified information? Or will the government simply destroy the servers, wipe them clean? If the government takes control of the servers and wipes them clean and destroys public access to her email, will that help Hillary to keep her email secret? They do, will the government destroy all 55,000? And the article doesn't tell us, but it's an interesting question. So is this glass half empty or half full? Uh, if the government seizes Hillary's servers, is that good for the public or is it good for, the go good for Hillary? We'll watch and see. There's another one from the Washington Times. Joe Biden likely to join 2016 White House race next month. Top fundraiser says. Vice President Joseph R. Biden's team is putting out the word that he's leaning in favor of joining the presidential race next month. Uh, that would be August, according to a prominent Democrat fundraiser. The vice president's entrance would dramatically shake up the Democratic contest, confronting frontrunner Hillary Rodham Clinton with a formidable opponent who is equally well-known across the country and poised to tap a network of major donors. I'm not convinced that Biden is a formidable opponent. I mean, Biden has come off as something of a, I don't know, some, at times a little ridiculous. Uh, he's kind of amusing. I don't know that he's a bad guy or an incompetent guy, but he does make remarks once in a while. <laughs> that are, <laughs> I'm sure he gets his wrist slapped over them. And he would make an interesting president, because unless they sewed his lips shut, he would be certain to make remarks from time to time that riled some people and fascinated and amused others. And it would be interesting to have him as a president, but I don't know that he's competent for the position. I don't see Biden as a formidable, formidable opponent. 
But at least I don't see him. You could say Biden was a formidable, formidable opponent in the context of the current field of Democrats. You might be able to say that because he has been vice president. He's got lots of name recognition and so on. I don't think he's individually formidable in terms of being particularly well qualified to hold the office of president. But he's as well known as Hillary Clinton, or very nearly. And he didn't have anything to do with Benghazi, and he doesn't have a treasure trove of email that are sitting on servers someplace that may or may not go public before this is all over. So he doesn't have a lot of Hillary's baggage, and he is as well known. And although Hillary's got, she's the front runner at the moment, you know, Biden could pick up the official Democrat Party uh, mantle. And I don't think the Democrat Party would have a problem supporting him. And in the final analysis, truth of the matter is, I think that Biden is more electable than Hillary. I think Hillary has so much negative baggage with her and the rest of that. She's a, she's got, she's a front runner at the moment, and yet she looks like a long shot to me. I don't think it's highly probable that Hillary's going to win the next election, next presidential election. Um, in any case, according to this article, they have given increasingly strong signals that Biden is going to throw his hat into the ring. According to one of the, one of the people quoted, I'm as confident as I can be that he will be entering the race. So here's this is another one of these questions. Will Vice President Biden enter the presidential race because he thinks he can beat Hillary Clinton in the primaries? Does he think he's a strong enough candidate to beat Hillary Clinton in the primaries? Or is he entering the presidential race because he believes that one way or another, Hillary Clinton will be forced to quit the presidential campaign? due to her problems with Benghazi and or her computer servers and or whatever else turns up. Now, the fundraising for the Clinton, for the Clinton, uh, oh, their charity, whatever it is, raising billions of dollars here and there, hundreds of millions at least, maybe billions, I don't recall exactly, but raising money under circumstances where it appears clear that in return she was selling favors as Secretary of State and they'd send her husband out to speak someplace, and they'd pay him a half million dollars, and he was a spo- he was ostensibly collecting a speaking fee when what he was actually working, what he was actually doing, was fun- functioning as a bag man for Hillary. If you wanted to bribe Hillary, you had to give X number of dollars to Bill, let him speak for a while, and then send him on his way. That's the way it was apparently. I mean, that was the way it was apparently being done. It remains to be seen if that allegation is completely accurate or not, but that's the way it appears to be. Can these allegations continue to come out until without without affecting Hillary, or are they going to doom her campaign? Or are there people already on the inside working with Hillary that have seen her lose heart? Has she already began to say, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Yeah. Maybe this running for president is more trouble than it's worth. So why is Biden running? Uh-huh. 
Does he think he can beat Hillary, or does he think that Hillary is going to disappear? Here's another one from Yahoo Politics. Uh, the headline is, Christie can't win New Jersey. Does that matter? Here's the bad news for Chris Christie, governor of New Jersey. He embarks on a presidential campaign with hardly any support among primary voters. He might not even make it on stage for the first debate because unlike four years ago, when conservative donors were begging Christie to offer himself up as not Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney, there are at least 15 other Republicans vying for the position. Here's the good news for Christie, if you want to go, if you want to be half glass full about it, at least he's not running for re-election for governor. Because with a 30% approval rating in New Jersey, Christie is now less popular in his home state than his predecessor John Corzine, whom he beat pretty much by just showing up and having a pulse. So here we have Christie, he's running for election. He's running for the president. As governor of New Jersey, even though he probably couldn't get reelected in New Jersey at this moment, he probably couldn't win a a primary in New Jersey, in his home state, and yet he's running for president here in the next uh, in 2016. That makes that's that's certainly the triumph of hope over experience. Uh, uh, if he can't even win his home state, can he win a national election? And I'm not saying that it's impossible to do, but I'm saying his nose will be rubbed in the fact that he can't even carry his own state. They won't let him. They won't let up on that. All right, his opponents will constantly remind the voters that Christie can't even carry New Jersey. How can he carry the rest of the country? Truth is, he might be able to. He might be able to strike a chord with the rest of the country where people said, yeah, I think I'll vote for Christie. But his opponents will constantly hammer him that he can't carry his home state, that he only has a 30% approval rating, that he's less liked in New Jersey than John Corzine, who was... I mean, the implications, Corzine was, he was perhaps more honorable than than a mafia don, Hmm? Al Capone. But Corzine did not appear. There were more than a few allegations and rumors and even evidence that Corzine was a long ways from being an honorable man. And the people of New Jersey... As much as they disliked Corzine, they disliked Christie even more. Can he be elected in 2016? Can he even be nominated by the Republican Party? And you look at this and you think to yourself, I don't know, I'm reminded of the song Send in the Clowns. Isn't it rich? Aren't we a pair? Me here at last on the ground, you in midair. Some of you will remember the song. Send in the clowns. It seems like we've got more than a fair share of clowns who may be running for the Republican nomination. There's another one running for the Republican nomination, which I don't think is a clown. That's Donald Trump, and the Washington Times reports Donald Trump dumped by Macy's. He says, retailer, NBC, support illegal aliens. 
All right. Illegal immigration. In fact, that's what the headline says. Donald Trump said Wednesday that Macy's and NBC support illegal immigration after the department store chain announced that it was cutting ties to the 2016 GOP presidential candidate. Mr. Trump, though, said in a statement that he is cutting ties with Macy's because uh, the pressure the retailer recently came under to drop his line of merchandise over controversial remarks he made about immigrants. NBC also parted ways with Mr. Trump. Now, Trump is suing NBC. He has a deal with them for beauty pageant, and they've decided, and they said, nope, we're not going to honor the deal, and Trump is suing them for half a million, or excuse me, $500 million. Depending on how this goes, uh, NBC may wind up funding Trump's presidential candidacy. The problem all of this is that Trump suggested that Mexico is sending us their drug dealers, their criminals, their least educated. He said, look, we're not getting a benefit out of this thing. We shouldn't be taking these illegal aliens. And he's being slapped around for that. And there's one of the things we're going to watch and see is Macy's. I stood up and said, we're not going to support Trump because he said nasty things about the illegal aliens. Well, that's their choice. And it may be they can, business is business. And if they want to cut ties with Mr. Trump, apparently they can. But it's also true that the people in the body politic who are watching this situation unfold, they can also cut ties with Trump if they care to over remarks he's made about the illegal aliens, or they could cut ties with Macy's. They could cut ties with NBC. It may well be that before we're done, they're going to find out that what they've actually done by cutting ties with Trump, it may be that they've increased his his popularity in the in the in the in the polls right now. He jumped from three percent to twelve percent. He jumped nine percent in just basically a week after he announced his candidacy. It's going to be interesting to see if his popularity rises another two, three, five percent because of his scuffle with NBC and with Macy's. It's going to be interesting to see if Macy's loses business. People who like Trump say, screw it, I'm not going to buy any more stuff from Macy's. People who like Trump may just say, I'm not watching NBC anymore. There are interesting things happening here, and they are not, and the results are not obvious. You know, it, it, it was almost stupid for Macy's and NBC to get into this, but they did, and we'll watch and see how it unfolds. We'll take a break now for some more commercials. I'm Alfred Adisk, and when we return, we'll talk about... What do we talk about? A dirty little secret. Let's talk about the dirty little secret in the third segment of the program. Please stay tuned. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control 
with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis here on Financial Survival. Melody is absent today. She's got a power problem at her home and office. And uh, so she shut down. She can't make a connection to get in to do the program today. At least that's what she claims. I think she's out walking on the beach with her dog, having a good time, and uh, leaving me to carry the ball all by myself. I've got an article here called... The Dirty Little Secret Advisors Won't Tell You. Now, this just this, this one this is amusing. Mark, this is from MarketWatch.com. Most, investors, most investment success, any advisors, is due overwhelmingly to luck rather than skill. You know, when people like myself sit on programs like this, we have to be careful not to be giving investment advice, all right? We've got to speak in generic terms, and we can't, by law, we can't tell specific individuals what to invest in or what to abandon and so on, um, unless we are certified financial planners or registered agents of the stock markets or whatever. I, uh, and it's not a big problem, but it's something you have to be aware of. Well, here's an article that says UCLA finance professor Brad Cornell has proposed a simple formula for gauging the relative investment importance of skill and luck. Upon applying that formula to a large sample of mutual funds, he found that 92% of the differences in those funds' annual returns were attributed to, attributable to random chance. 
But that means, in practice, top-right performance in a given year is rarely repeated the next year. Uh, People get credit for it, and you'll hear people, here's the guy who, he's the one who predicted the 2008 financial collapse. All right? And so he's to be believed. But what they're saying, it it was just a certain amount of dumb luck, at least 92% of the time. Huh? Now, if it's only dumb luck that really sets the majority of the difference, there's some skill involved. They're, they're saying 8% of, these, uh, 8% of the successes are due to real skill. But 92% of the successes are due to dumb luck. Well, then what is the value of financial advice? All right, if we were to tell you this is exactly the stock you should buy, this is the stock you should not buy, and so on, and these are the bonds, and so on like that. What is, what, why would the government be upset about people offering financial advice if 92% of the time that advice is based more on luck? If it succeeds and it's accurate, it's based on luck more so than skill. It's this kind of question that we can ask this. Uh, we can ask this perhaps about doctors, certainly about lawyers. To what extent are these people right because they're skillful, and to what extent are they right because they're lucky? I know. But in any case, in the in the markets, they say 90% of the differences in those annual funds were attributed to random chance. That means dumb luck. And it also means that if you had a great year this year and you guessed everything correctly and you want to take credit for it and sell your book and sell your, your publication or that sort of thing, next year you're not likely to do as well because it was just dumb luck you did well in the first year. Right? You're not likely to duplicate your performance. It's like going to a casino and rolling seven. Five times in a row on the craps table. And coming back and writing a book on how to roll seven every time at the craps table. The truth is you may never roll seven again in all your life. This is the sort of thing that's on one hand a little bit discouraging. You would wish that there was more skill involved. But it does tell you. And what they're really talking about here are the advisors that say, this is what you should do, this is not what you should do. What's the lesson in all of this? You should listen to these advisors, or at least you can listen to them if you care to. Just as you can listen to me. But you have to take it all with salt. You have to do your due diligence, and we can suggest things, and we have our own particular slant and pitch, one thing or another. We say, this is what we think is right and wrong. But you're going to have to make up your own mind. You're going to have to sit back and say, well, this is what I want to do. I've looked at the possibilities. I'm going to invest this way. I'm going to divest uh, from certain vehicles that I've invested in in the past. I'm going to invest in certain vehicles that I now prefer. Or maybe I'm going to hold. Or maybe I'm going to abandon all my investments and just stuff the cash in my mattress. But You can't just be impressed by the reputation of whatever guru you might be following. The fact that somebody predicted accurately that 2008 was going to be a great recession. This is no more significant than one of the psychics 
that we see on the National Enquirer every year, and we compare, and one of them says, ha-ha, I predicted that they would find a pyramid on other planets and moons. And they have. They've just turned up pyramids. Well, it's a stupid, it's a stupid kind of prediction, and it's more than likely just a matter of dumb luck rather than real psychic ability. Um, if 92% of investment gains are based on luck, then it's fair to compare stock and bond markets to Las Vegas casinos. We can reasonably wonder if our markets can be legitimately compared uh, to casinos. If, if that's the case, who is the house? If 92% of the gains are based on luck and only 8% on skill, who is making the real profits in the markets? I don't have an answer for that, but you know what an odd, what, what an extraordinary story. Ninety-two percent of the successes in the markets are based on luck, and it follows that ninety-two percent of the failures are based on luck, bad luck. So it really is a casino environment when you get into the markets. Again, what's that tell us? Get back to fundamentals. You're going to have to be you're going to have to be an investor rather than a speculator. The speculators are the ones that are in, they get in, they get out. Their idea is to make fast profit uh, this week, this month, within the next five minutes. Get in, buy right now. I think, it's, I think now's the time to buy. We'll buy, I'll sell it in five minutes, and I'll make $5,000 on who knows. Half million dollar investment. Speculators, they're gamblers. And like all gamblers, ultimately their success or failure depends on their luck. If you want to get away from that luck, right, in the sense that you don't want to be dependent on being lucky or unlucky, how do you do it? And the answer has to be that you become an investor rather than a speculator. And the principal difference between the investor and the speculator is the time frame. Speculator is in there. He's just in there for minutes or hours or days or week. The investor is in there for years. The investor trying to look at the fundamentals, and if you can accurately perceive those fundamentals, it's like grabbing. It's like perceiving the gravity. All right. It's like Isaac Newton, the apple falls on his head out of the tree, and all of a sudden he realizes, oh, my gosh, there's a force of gravity. That's a fundamental. Huh? If you can grab these fundamentals yourself and perceive them yourself, then you can make long-term bets that have a very high probability of success. If you don't perceive those fundamentals, if you don't care about those fundamentals, and you can't if you're a speculator. Speculators don't really care about the fundamentals per se. What's happening right now, right now, right now? Who is going to win the horse race? There's a two-minute race, a three-minute race, whatever it's going to take. The horse is going around the track. Which horse is going to win in the next couple of minutes? That's not about fundamentals. That's about a certain amount of random chance and and dumb luck as to who gets the break out of the gate and who gets closest to the rail. And there, there's a bunch of variables in it, but it's just gambling. If you want to get away from the gambling, you look at the fundamentals. You need you stop 
concerning yourself. I mean, you can't you, you can't stop concerning yourself on what the value of your investment is going to be tomorrow or next week or a month from now. It's human nature to pay attention. But if you're going to be an investor and you've, you've figured your fundamentals out properly, you're going to sit back and say, well, I don't care what it's going to be a week from now or a month from now. Here's what I think is going to happen a year from now or three years from now. Here's a long-term perspective. Now I'm an investor, and I don't pay attention to the daily ups and downs that drive the speculators nuts. Also fascinate them, obsess them, just like watching to see whether the ball is coming up red or green on the roulette wheel. You can get sufficiently involved and even obsessed with the markets where... You know, you're betting from moment to moment, but that's all you're doing. And that's why luck prevails. The investors aren't based on luck. They are based on, and it may even be, that if they talk about it without knowing more about the, the study that was conducted by this, guy, uh, this man from UCLA, uh, Cornell, it may be that if we look at the 8% of investments that are based on skill, that are successful, I'd really like to know the time frame. The article doesn't say. But I'm going to make you a bet, seeing as we're talking about gambling and dumb luck. I'm going to make you a bet that if 90% of the game, gains in the markets are based on luck and only 8% on skill, I'm going to almost, I'm going to, there's at least a high probability that the 92% of gains are, that are based on luck are the gains that are earned by speculators. In a very short time frame, huh? while the 8% that are based on skill are based on the gains earned by investors who take the time to figure out what they want, kind of like Warren Buffett, before they move. And then they move big and they hold. They hold for long term. I'll make you a bet. Don't know that it's true, but the 8% of success, I'll bet most of that skill is based on investors. The 92% that's dumb luck, those are the speculators. We are down to the last couple of moments in the couple of minutes in the program. Uh, let's see. Uh, trying to see. Trying to see one more article. How much does Greece owe to international creditors? This is from Reuters. Turns out they it owes its official lenders two hundred and forty two billion dollars. That's about two hundred uh, excuse me, two hundred and forty three billion euros, which is about two hundred and seventy one billion dollars. Now we've gone through all of this stress with Greece and the, you know, it becomes comical at times. But it's interesting to bear in mind that during quantitative easing three, the Federal Reserve was injecting about $80 billion a month into the economy. That means that just over three months of quantitative easing would solve the Greek financial crisis. That wouldn't be a big strain. In theory, the government of the United States could have stepped up and said, look, you guys are having squabbling over $243 billion. Uh, it's three months of quantitative easing. We can pay that. That's not a problem. Here, now go on out and try not to make any more mistakes about lending too much to Greece or borrowing too much from your creditors and so on. The fact that our government 
or other central bank, European Central Bank, or the IMF, or whoever, they didn't cough up the the 243 billion euros that was needed to solve the Greek problem. There's two implications. One is that Greece is problem. It was never as dire as the news media led us to believe. There won't be significant contagion. The global financial system won't be collapsed by the Greek default. And therefore, no one in a position of authority or power or wealth really cares to help bail out Greece. We were never in any real jeopardy, and all the reports to the contrary were just so much hot air and hyperbole. The second possibility is the Greek problem is dire. It's as dire as the news media has led us to believe in the past, but the entities, like the Federal Reserve, that might otherwise be expected to help Greece and thereby prevent a global and U.S. economic collapse are already too broke to be of assistance. Do you see what I'm talking about here? We've got a situation where either Greece is not, problem was never as big as they led us to believe, and I think that's the case, or the people who in theory could have helped resolve the problem are too broke to do so, which means the whole global financial system is sitting on the edge very close to some sort of a significant breakdown. We'll watch and see what happens. Melody and I should be back tomorrow. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm Alfred Addis. This is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. For all your gold and silver coin needs, I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, may the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. All night I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a friend. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret All right, everybody. Whoa, it's Friday, and uh, we're rolling up. On the 4th of July, America's birthday, by the way, interestingly enough, Prince William and uh, his new bride, uh, Catherine, also known as Kate, uh, they are visiting uh, Canada right now, and uh, they just uh, happen to be in Canada for uh, Canada's birthday and uh, it's 144 years young. Wow, Canada younger than we are. Anyway, they uh, everything that Kate wears, of course, is in the fashion spotlight. She is the new uh, Lady Diana, and uh, it's immediately sold out. So every day she appears 
in a new rig, a different pair of shoes, different handbag, different uh, headgear, and she likes jackets, and she likes uh, dresses, and bingo, immediately the whole world market is sold out. They were uh, doing an interview today that I was watching where uh, they were asking some of these fashion designers, where can and how much will it cost uh, to get the kind of things that Kate uh, wears? Because uh, she's uh, getting, when you know, like her hair was pulled back today, uh, they're a little more sporty. And she's going to come uh, in about another week uh, to L.A. And somebody was uh, wondering if she was going to wear jeans to uh, fit in. But she and uh, her husband, who will be king of England uh, someday, uh, they you know are kind of getting sporty. And uh, they said, you can't buy her clothes because it's not that uh, they uh, aren't made in large numbers, uh, it's not that they are totally unaffordable, but whatever she wears, who somebody must be done by internet or something, probably Al Gore got something to do with it, all those clothes disappear off the racks. She's just that popular. Now, I want to cover some important things with you on uh, this uh, particular interesting day we've got the reason this is a very interesting day is that today obama is telling congress hey man you got to get back here you can't take a break because congress was uh, taking an extended break uh, over the fourth of july and would be back uh, oh like the house of representatives uh, this next wednesday and uh, the U.S. Senate was planning on being back on Tuesday. And he says, I'm here. Now, this is where the action is. You've got to get this, uh, this budget uh, worked out. And even as Obama was talking, you can see the helicopter in the backyard at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue uh, preparing for takeoff. He's going to Camp David. So the point is that what you do is you try and tar and feather so that it takes the, the interest, the spotlight, it takes responsibility, maybe, off of you. But at one minute past midnight today, the great state of Minnesota shut down. Now, this is a premiere of what could happen to the United States on the second day of August. The second of August has been projected as being the day that no matter how fuzzy the math, America, unless Congress lifts the debt ceiling, or unless the Democrats agree to sizable cuts in the budget, America will not be able to pay its bills. And it goes from a triple-A rating internationally uh, to a D 
That's like in grade school. D. Ooh, that was like a 75 when I was going to school. Now it's probably a B plus at 75. Anyway, Minnesota shut down. Did you hear that? <laughs> if you're planning on going to Minnesota, don't look uh, for the uh, parks to be open. Don't look uh, for you know where you pull in overnight. And uh, or where you can pull in for fast food and this kind of thing. All the highway services, all the highway repairs are closed, canceled right now. 23,000 state workers will not get a paycheck. All right, now just let that sink in. That is not maybe will happen, that has occurred starting at midnight today. The state of Minnesota has uh, turned the lights off. They have a one billion five hundred million debt gap. And their legislative branch has had uh, months just like our Congress has had years now uh, to get things squared away financially. The Republicans, they say no new taxes. The, and to cut the budgets. And the Democrats say we have to take money in new taxes from the very rich and and also with that uh, we agreed uh, to some budget cuts but we primarily are going to run the government on uh, sealing the uh, tax loopholes and upping the taxes for the rich well, neither side will give. Uh, this is the case in the U.S. Congress. The House of Representatives is run by the Republicans. They have a majority. In the Senate, uh, there is a majority of Democrats. And so the Democrats uh, have the plurality, and so they run the Senate. So it is a tug of war. Now, of course... Obama just sets back and points uh, toward Congress and says, hey, I'm here. He's not really there. He's been all over the place. Plus, now today he's going to Camp David. But uh, he can say that because people dislike and distrust Congress even more than they do the administration. And so uh, you've got Harry Reid who says, uh, I'm canceling the, the 4th of July uh, vacation for the Senate. We're going to stay here. It, it's not what they're doing. It is closed until the Senate might come back on Tuesday. Obama might come back from uh, the Camp David retreat on Tuesday. The House of Representatives is not scheduled to come back until Wednesday. 
But Minnesota, what do they do now? How long will this thing last? We are looking at uh, a preamble to what very likely could happen to the United States. So I notice that uh, I just got a government check in the mail. I fully intend to uh, expedite uh, going down to cash it because uh, all that has to happen is uh, when the 2nd of August rolls around, the U.S. government, just like the state of Minnesota and other states are gearing up for this, they just turn the lights off. And Medicare, Medicaid, which is for the disadvantaged and the poor and all that kind of stuff, and even military and other federal government retirees, etc., and et al., Social Security, the presses just stop running. There is no more issuance. And so something I can guarantee you is going to happen at that time. Because old people, while they may not be the majority in the American population, they nevertheless are probably the majority of those who vote. And you want to see people get up and get out of their wheelchairs. You want to see people grabbing for the phone and calling and uh, texting and uh, whatever else they do now, days. Congress is going to get a fire lit under it. The president is going to have a fire lit under him. And when they begin to feel the heat, uh, next thing you know, they begin to see the light. And so I've asked you to take time now, because all you have to do is miss a check if you're a senior. I'm, I have a person who's very, very close to me. Her only income is a Social Security check. It's about 800 bucks. And she owns her home, but with that, she has to pay the maintenance fees. She's got to pay uh, groceries. She's got to pay gasoline. She's got to pay everything that you can barely make it on $800. When that check doesn't come, what happens? Well, I know what's happening. I mean, people who love this person are going to uh, start sending uh, cash. I don't know if checks will be any good. So America could be in for uh, the likes of Greece and Great Britain and other countries who bought in uh, to this uh, greed tsunami uh, when all of a sudden uh, everybody in the fiduciary, the lending, the mortgage, the home business uh, began to falsify applications and uh, in just chaos. They were approving anybody, and the Black Caucus was clinking their champagne glasses, which include Senator Obama, saying, we did it, we did it, with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac 
We did it. We sure did. We allowed them to do it. We're going to learn that uh, this America is of and by and for the people. And those people in Washington District of Criminals are there to represent us, but it means they've got to see their responsibilities and do their duty. And if they don't, then we, their constituents, light the fires. And uh, I don't care what their uh, type of politics, we take action. We get rid of them, and we put in people who will follow the Constitution, who have stones to stand up and uh, make the uh, drastic decisions. Like Ron Paul knows the answers but they don't let him make any decisions because he's just a little guy who delivered uh, a lot of babies and uh, we want somebody uh, tall, dark, and handsome like Mitt Romney. Well, get ready. Now, I want to uh, tell you a little bit about the VA. Personally, uh, the VA has been very kind to me. When I first, uh, because of my children, reported into the VA, I was class six. Now that meant Spanish-American War and all the people that were left, which included me. I made the statement, if there's anybody who is a survivor of the Spanish-American War, he can get in front of me Anyway, as things have gone, uh, the VA has been very kind to me as far as dental work. Uh, while they uh, don't pay their people much, and I've seen some really, uh, you know, in the old days, uh, people that gave haircuts uh, used to also do dentistry work. Uh, bartenders, a lot of times, would do dental work. And I've seen some of those people go through the VA. And I have uh, gotten up out of my chair and said, I'm never going to let you touch me again because uh, they probably work for the CIA and some of these hidden prison torturing people. But by and large, VA, and, uh, you know, I've had uh, so many different uh, people. I don't know if there's any uh, born Americans that work for the VA. Actually, there is one. They sent me to take some uh, mental agility tests uh, to, uh, to Southern California, San Bernardino. There's a very nice VA hospital there. And the doctor came out, spoke perfect English, uh, had, uh, you know, American features. And I, when I say American features, I mean uh, not uh, Native American, not African American not Mexican-American, not Asian-American, just American. And I asked him, I said, uh, can I ask you a question? He says, I know what you're going to say. You're going to ask me if I'm the only American doctor in the VA. And he says, as far as I know, I am. And so if you want to see an American doctor, you got to go uh, to uh, Riverside uh, and or San Bernardino, same area. Now, 
uh, the VA runs the uh, National Cemetery. We had an awful uh, case, the most gross case that you could imagine of abuse. You've heard about uh, some of these uh, funeral home owners who just throw the bodies in the swamp or who burn them or uh, use them for pig food and charge people for uh, cemetery uh, plots and charge people for caskets and for burials that uh, don't happen. Well, the same thing was going on in Arlington National Cemetery, our most hallowed ground. And these two black men were uh, running it, number one and number two. And I guess they thought they needed to run it like they do, uh, you know, down in uh, Birmingham or Atlanta or somewhere. Well, I want you to get this. This is today, this is in Houston. This is the National Cemetery. This is outrageous. Veterans have been told and volunteers that work at the Houston National Cemetery that they can no longer use the words God, God bless, or Jesus at any and all funerals, functions, memorials, uh, condolence cards, because they're offensive words. Now, this is what the person says who is in charge of the Houston Cemetery, and her name is Arlene Ocasio, O-C-A-S-I-O. And uh, she says that, uh, that Jesus and God uh, are not to be used uh, any longer. She happens to be off this week, by the way. And uh, when questioned about Allah, she said that, uh, and by the way, people are suing the cemetery, the National Cemetery in Houston, and uh, this Arlene Ocasio, and I think they ought to do more than sewer, because she says, when they ask about, well, what about Olaf, you can't say God or Jesus, and uh, she said, the matter's in litigation, and uh, she wouldn't make any uh, comment, but uh, in any case, Ocasio, I believe, and if you uh, believe the same way, then you can help the veterans in Houston by calling the VA. Send your uh, email to the VA. Uh, send them a fax. Write to them. I've spelled you this lady's name. It is Houston, Texas National Cemetery. Her name is Arlene, A-R-L-E-N-E. Ocasio, O-C-A-S-I-O. And she has said to the VA veterans, the word God, Jesus are offensive. 
and they will no longer be allowed. And you can't even uh, print it. And the Houston Cemetery has told veterans and volunteers that they can't use even the phrase, God bless, at funerals. You can't even write them on cards that are, uh, I guess, as part of a service. You know, I have conducted memorials and funerals uh, at federal uh, national uh, cemeteries for veterans. And I always use Bible references. I always invoke God's name and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And I would not be intimidated by some woman named Arlene Ocasio, no matter what uh, her race or religion or what her GS status may be uh, to make her head of the cemetery. Matter of fact, I think I might be more likely to put her head uh, on the cemetery. I just, I can't, to me, it is, uh, it is beyond imagination. And so uh, it will go to federal court. And I think that the vets are going to win because we do have a First Amendment, don't we? We have a freedom of speech. We have a freedom of religion. What is Ocasio thinking about? What group is she a part of? Is this some kind of like uh, New York when they pass uh, the sodomite law allowing uh, homosexuals to be married? And they're saying this is going to be the law of the land. So let's get it on. Obama has canceled uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which tells me we're back to where we were before there was Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and that meant that it was against the law. Anyway, to cite one specific example, this is just one example, that is being part of the lawsuit on the director of the cemetery, Arlene Ocasio. She has commanded volunteers never to use God bless you and God bless ever again at the cemetery. Well, Cheryl Whitfield is founder of the Houston National Memorial Ladies. And uh, she said, I couldn't keep my mouth shut and let things happen. But when it comes uh, to standing up for your belief in God and giving comfort to families, I don't want to regret not saying anything. Uh, you understand what she meant to say, I think. So she said, we all had to stand up for what we believe in. Specifically, the suit being brought against the cemetery, the Department of Veteran Affairs, states that there's been a widespread and consistent practice of discriminating against private religious speech. The suit goes on to describe Ms. Ocasio's running of the cemetery. 
The doors remain locked during Houston National Cemetery operating hours. The cross and the Bible have been removed, and the chapel bells, which tolled at least twice a day, are now inoperative. Director Ocasio only unlocks the doors, and it's not called chapel doors anymore. It's called meeting facility when meetings are held at the building. Another man allegedly discriminated against in the suit was a Vietnam veteran, a Nobleton Jones. After reciting the words, we ask that God grant you and your family grace, mercy, and peace at a burial cemetery. This is a phrase he's used for decades. He was ordered by Ocasio to stop. He says, that makes me feel smaller even after I spent my time in the military fighting so that people should be able to say that. He said in response, I did all this for my country, and you're going to tell me what I can and can't say. Well, those kind of things, I get very uh, emotional uh, over them because I understand what this veteran who has uh, been there to salute his comrades and so I ask you to think about it. we got to go to a break. I've run over, and we'll be right back with Freedom Call on American Voice Radio. Stay tuned. survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Americans for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today.
with you. You're listening to American Voice Radio. The program is Freedom Call. My name is Bo Greit. Sometimes you may say, well, uh, wow, I'd, I'm afraid to almost listen to Bo's program because you've got to almost put on a flak jacket and wear a steel helmet and uh, seatbelt yourself in. And uh, I was uh, kind of venting uh, to the man who owns and operates American Voice uh, Radio. And he said to me, you know, what they should do with that woman that runs it, Ocasio, the Houston uh, National Cemetery, they should just throw her uh, into one of the graves that they're being uh, prepared and just dig the grave a little bit deeper. And it, uh, besides uh, being a great solution, it also took me back. Uh, those of you who've been in combat know that it, you can smell, you can be there. Uh, little things cue you, whether it's uh, odor or whether it is a feeling or an action or a word, uh, something you eat. And so I, uh, we have uh, what we used to say is uh, you eat the bear and someday the bear eats you. And uh, when we were uh, OPCON, means operational control of the Big Red One, uh, they wanted us to find uh, this enemy division, which is about 15,000 uh, men. And instead of uh, using special forces tactics, uh, which we uh, were very successful at, uh, not to run away, but rather to circle our wagons and then as the division masked uh, to overwhelm us, they would bring in the Big Red One, and according to General Hay, who was the commanding general, they would crush them. Well, it didn't happen that way. Uh, we uh, stuck. Uh, mainly we were behind a big anthill. They cut all of the trees down, all the jungle, because they had heavy machine guns, they had rockets, they had mortars, uh, they had 15,000 men. And uh, I had 100 Cambodians and 13 special forces. Uh, it was a tough day. Uh, we had about 80% casualty. Now the uh, military says if you have 10% casualty, then you are considered decimated. Your unit with 10% casualty is considered to be ineffective. Well, we had 80%. We were fighting behind stacked bodies since there wasn't anything other than this anthill, uh, and uh, it was a bad day. Uh, bottom line is that we transported uh, all of our dead. Uh, we were at a place called Rang Rang, and... Uh, we transported all of our dead uh, back to Tainin, uh, where I, uh, we had kind of a bombed-out uh, French fort that we were temporarily based in, uh, me and my army of Cambodians and my special forces teams. And I had uh, sent my sergeant uh, into Tainin. Tainin was a province capital didn't have a whole lot of people there it's the headquarters for the Khao Dai religion uh, 
anyway, uh, we got uh, the casket makers, and we I think we probably bought every casket. Now, we burn the Cambodians. That's the way they wanted. But they wanted to be burned in a wooden casket. That way you take their remains, put them in an urn, and they go into the temple of the Khmer Sarai, which means free Cambodians, uh, in uh, what used to be Saigon, now it's Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Saigon Temple. And uh, nobody had any idea, you know, we needed about 80 caskets. And uh, there just was never such a demand. And so the price that I was quoted on the casket was like 500 uh, piastres for uh, a wooden, just a basic wooden casket. And that's what I agreed to. But when the casket maker got up to our bombed-out French fort and he saw the enormity, 80 uh, body bags laid out uh, from that one uh, battle, uh, then all of a sudden he wanted to up uh, the price of the caskets to 1,500 piastres. Uh, and uh, I just uh, looked at him because you could see the greed. He was rubbing his palms together. And uh, I, my sergeant was a tall, uh, he had uh, the face of Charles Bronson. He was a black man uh, named Sergeant Cole. Bob Cole, and he was as hard as woodpecker lips. And I looked at Sergeant Cole, and I said, Bob, do you suppose we got room in these caskets for one more body? And Sergeant Cole, <laughs> gosh, he had a hard look. You need to look at my book, Call to Serve, and you, I've got good pictures of Sergeant Cole in there. And he looked at me, and uh, it looked—he kind of looked like Charlie Bronson, with you know they are uh, Jack Palance, you know, with how their face is so angular. And he looked at me, and he looked at that little casket maker, and he said, "I'm sure we've got room, sir." Well, that guy took off running. He was panicked, uh, and it was probably a good thing. But uh, I never did pay him anything. Because he never, we couldn't find him. He's kind of like Al Gore. So we went ahead and uh, did the cremation for all the Cambodians. And later I got a letter uh, down through the chain of command from the province chief of Tainan Province saying that there was a casket maker that had uh, said that he was threatened with his life uh, by the special forces uh, out at the old French fort. Well, we weren't even supposed to be there, and nobody even knew who we were. And, uh, you know, none of my Cambodes had any ID because we got them barefooted right out of Cambodia and brought them uh, in and trained them as guerrillas. And uh, my special forces, nobody ever questioned them, and there were no Vietnamese with us. So we did pay uh, for those caskets. It wasn't that I wasn't willing because the CIA had a, you know, a death. A gratuity that would more than cover uh, the burial and then give money to that man's family that was killed. Uh, but we could never find that guy. 
So that, I believe, is probably, I think that Frank Stefan, owner and operator of American Voice Radio, has reminded me, and I'm going to pass that on to the veterans in Houston. And you make sure, if you get the chance and you know somebody in Houston, say, hey, uh, over Bo Grant's radio program, Freedom Call on American Voice, uh, he was saying what happened to him in Vietnam when they had all these caskets and this guy suddenly tripled the price. They were just going to put him in one of the, just make two for a uh, twofer. You know, that was like uh, Hillary. She took those dogs down and, you know, had them neutered. Yeah, she could have got a twofer because he had Bill right there and might have kept him from walking around on his foreskin as much as he did. Anyway, I wanted to uh, I wanted to cover some of these things on this Friday uh, because Monday is the Fourth of July, and I'd like for you to celebrate uh, our nation's birthday. Now, uh, this coming July eighth, the reason I'm telling you now is because I might forget later on, will be the last launch of a NASA space vehicle, the space shuttle. Uh, it is 40 years now that NASA has been sending up space shuttles. Wow, I didn't realize. 40 years. But it has cost $115 billion, and NASA doesn't have the money to continue uh, the space shuttle program. So uh, they're launching the space shuttle on uh, the July the 8th, which is Wednesday, I think. And uh, I don't know. I think they're going up to the space lab. I don't know if all of them are going to come back or not. I'd recommend it because we are going to have to depend now upon Russia, China, and private spaceships in order to get our people down uh, from the International Space Laboratory. Kind of interesting, huh? Now, something about, uh, I don't know, you probably wouldn't be listening to this program if you were a sports nut that uh, every Saturday or Sunday and Monday, whatever, the you take a 12-pack and sit down before the television and you just... Uh, idolize uh, football, pro football, or pro basketball, because both sports have been locked out now because the players want more money. And the owners uh, figure that with the economy going the way it is, they better be very careful or they'll end up uh, like the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, filing for bankruptcy. Now, the actual issue, if you want, and the only reason I'm spending more than 30 seconds on this story, right now there is no pro football, there's no pro basketball. They are locked out. That means the players can't even go uh, into the locker rooms. Now, here is the problem. They make four billion dollars this is a pro football makes four billion uh, pro basketball NBA 
Uh, they're a $4 billion sport. At this point, the players get 57% of whatever comes in, which is about $4 billion. And you see these players with Rolls Royces and uh, with way too much money. But they say it's just a principal thing. They play hard so that the fans will come, and that means more money comes in. The, it means more money for them, but they want a bigger percentage. Right now, the owners take 43%, and the players, 57%. Well, the players want more people. And so I want more percent. And so if you uh, have any interest in that now, you know what it's all about. Personally, I think America might be better off. Uh, we have just about, uh, we now have the church of uh, pro football. And, uh, you know, we have, if you ask somebody, uh, what creed are you? They'll say, well, I'm for the, the uh, Philadelphia team or something. So to me, very personally, I could care less whether or not we have sport, pro sports. They made a nice movie about uh, guys that wanted to play football, but they just weren't good enough to make the pros, and so they used uh, these others, these extras. And what did we see? Some very exciting uh, sports. So I think I'd rather, have you ever watched college uh, softball with females? I'll tell you, now that is an action game. And I'm mad, I'll bet you they could strike out just about as many uh, pro baseball players uh, with the way they pitch that fast-pitch softball. And so, uh, you know, I can, we can watch college sports and have just as much, uh, gain just as much, and maybe leave a little more time for things like family and uh, doing things we ought to do, like maybe uh, nourishing our spiritual, intellectual, emotional parts instead of just our physical parts. There was a uh, yesterday, and uh, I was going to try to talk about it, but I ran out of time. And so here we are today, short of time. But I want to mention this to you. Virgin American is an airline uh, that flies from New York uh, to Los Angeles. Uh, there was uh, yesterday a Nigerian who didn't have uh, any proper identification. He didn't have a, uh, a ticket. He didn't have, he used a boarding pass that somebody had used the day before. He got a hold of it. Now, this guy, when they stop, remember the 95-year-old lady in the wheelchair that uh, TSA, thousands standing around, uh, made her strip down, take off her, uh, her adult diaper? I mean, this is outrageous to me. And here is a Nigerian who gets through New York, through all of TSA's checks, he goes in, he sits down on the airline, and nobody bothers him until the passenger said 
this guy's body odor is peeling the paint off the inside of the aircraft. And there shouldn't be anybody sitting beside me. Apparently, this was a big person or something. And anyway, so between body odor, then no, they didn't. Nobody on a Virgin American did a thing. They just started watching him. Well, he didn't seem to be a threat, so they flew him all the way to L.A. and he got off. Now he tries to get back on an airplane, going from Los Angeles to Atlanta. And he planned to take an airline, which goes out of New York, to Nigeria. But uh, this time, the FBI arrested him. And he is in holding. Now, how can he get through when a 95-year-old woman, American, has got to uh, disrobe to the point that she has no underwear because... Uh, She had soiled her adult diaper that they required her to move. Well, I can tell you what it is. I've told you before. Muslims are going to support Muslims. And I'd be willing to bet you that when this Nigerian checked through TSA, he was doing whatever uh, weird uh, knocks and and acknowledgments that they do with their pals and buddies, and he went right on through TSA and right on through to his destination, and not a person got in his way. So do you think this encouraged him, and do you think that there are terrorists? Now, this fellow, you don't know, though, that this guy's a terrorist. He didn't do anything. Well, he may not have done anything except what? He made a dry run all the way to L.A. and was going to make another run, which might, and this is what you do to make sure to see uh, where at that particular time and place, who are the people on duty and uh, this brotherhood, this Muslim brotherhood, Uh, whether they are catering food on aircraft, whether they are in the TSA, which there is a large percent of them, or uh, regardless, whether they're selling tickets, they are going to help their Muslim brothers. And that's just the way it is. You can say, Bo, I'm sorry to see you're not more tolerant. That may be. But that is the way that it is. And so uh, we need to get bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, start watching those people who are obviously, you've got to profile these people. That's the whole idea. By the way, a Harvard study finds that if you go to a 4th of July parade, that you are more likely to end up being a Republican. Now, if you live in a place where it rains a lot and the chances are that the 4th of July parade will be rained out, you're more likely to be a Democrat. That's the truth. I'm not kidding you. And, by the way, the 
largest fire in New Mexico history has been threatening the Los Alamos uh, nuclear lab. 12,000 people from Los Alamos, New Mexico, have been evacuated, everybody in the lab. The fire, the wind, has changed, blowing the fire away from the laboratory. The point is, is that it shows us how vulnerable we can be just like the Japanese were. And if you think that the Japanese nuclear uh, facility is over, it's not. It won't be over until long after Christ has come. Because this, these nuclear rods... The water keeps them cool. When you lose the water, they start, they get so hot that they will actually boil the ground. And they bore a hole, and that's what's going right now. And as long as they are boiling, there is debris being given off. This is picked up uh, by air masses aloft and is delivered to the United States in the West Coast starting. And when you look at the half-life of radioactivity, uh, it can be measured in hundreds, thousands of years. And so it is a cumulative thing. So the people in Portland, Oregon, and the people up in Seattle, Washington, they, and what everybody says, the scientists, well, it's not even hardly measurable. But you know something? It's cumulative. It just keeps going. How long will it go in Japan? Hundreds of years. How much debris will have fallen on Portland and Seattle by the time that thing uh, is sufficiently capped off? Probably enough so a lot of Americans are not going to make it. And uh, very quickly, there are women buying $12,000 dolls. Now these dolls look just like babies and these women uh, they say don't have well one woman has a, a, a child that's grown so she's bought this doll. They feed it, they wash it, they clean it up, they comb the hair. Uh, I'll tell you things are strange in America. And uh, don't call the president a dick. They fired the head of MSNBC. Uh, you can't say mumbo-jumbo. That's uh, too ethnic, uh, reflecting on the president. And 6,117 Americans are dead in Afghanistan and Iraq. It's time it all stopped. All right, guys. Our time to stop is here. And so stay with American Voice Radio. I'll see you on Monday. Men who fight by night and day, courage takes from the green beret, silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. Studies 
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $9.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Watch Live, another Messiah's Branch National Satellite Radio Program. We are broadcasting live from the foothills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is what? July 2nd, 2015.
Folks, with Mission Watch Live, we are warning the world as it happens. If you need help with anything after this program, please call me. If you need a prayer, you can call me for that also. Excuse me. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-4682. My emergency cell phone number is 316-619-4886. And you can also email me. People do that with prayer requests. That's also a good way. And if you need me to talk to you, you can send me your telephone number that way. Or like today, I got a, a letter in the mail today from a, a gentleman that wants me to pray for his son. And uh, he went into detail, and I'm going to take that letter to prayer, um, of course. And so there's many ways that you can get a hold of me. You can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address at our blog, which is simply prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Our program archives can also be found over there at prophecyhour.com and also at branch.podomatic.com, which, if you go to prophecyhour.com. Boy, this is a lot of .coms, huh? Anyway, but if you go to Prophecy Hour, uh, you look over on the right, there's a thing that says End Time Radio uh, Program Archives. Click on that, and it'll take you to the other site. At that other site, they have, which is really very smartphone-friendly, for the record, uh, but you can also download their app at branch.podomatic.com. There goes those .coms again. Anyway, and they've got an app for your smartphone, which makes it easier, but you don't even have to download the app to get the radio programs. I do challenge you to share these radio programs with other people, and so pray about it. Anyway, here we go. I have one thing to say. Um, Saturday, well, actually it falls on the Sabbath this week, is the 4th of July. I saw a thing from Alex Jones that was uh, where they made a film and interviewed people, and people. Did, it amazes me that people did not even know what the Fourth of July was about. Some people thought it was about the Civil War. Other people just didn't know or walked off and wouldn't answer the question, but they didn't know. And you know, that's. I mean, it's it's astounds me. The Fourth of July, folks is about us breaking away from the British and getting our independence. And so I pray that you celebrate it this, this year. It's one of the most American things that you can do is celebrate Independence Day. And I'm kind of a little bit of bias with that because, after all, it is also my birthday. And so, uh, anyway, I will be turning 60 this year. I'm told that's when you're supposed to, that all, okay, you're officially old then. I don't feel old, but who cares? Anyway, happy 4th of July to all you folks out there. I pray you have some good, safe fun, and uh, there is some terror warnings out there also. Anyway, we'll say a prayer, and we'll bring on tonight's guest, enough small talk. Anyway, dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not my will, nor guess will, Father, but your will, and give everyone out there ears in which to hear the truth. Um, <clears throat> amen and amen. Well, tonight's guest has uh, been on with us before. That's uh, Her name is Lori Cardoza-Moore. Okay, well, wait a minute. I'm getting a buzz here from my producer. I better check on that. Um, let's see. What can I do for you? Okay. Um, it seems that, uh, okay, well, I guess we don't. 
I need to give him a phone number. I don't know that if he's got through for uh, he got her. Okay, so I'll go ahead and introduce our guest, and he'll straighten it out. Anyway, tonight's guest has been on with us before. That's Lori Cardoza Moore. She's a successful leader, businesswoman, wife, mother of five, and founder of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. She has devoted her life to educate Christians about their biblical responsibility to stand with her Jewish brethren and the state of Israel. She's an accomplished media veteran, and Lori has been part of over 500 film and video productions as both as an on-screen talent and producer. In 2011, as a result of Lori's relentless efforts to defend Israel and the global media, Dr. John Lupoli, president of the World Council of Independent Independent Christian Churches, WCICC, invited Lori to serve as the as their special envoy to the United Nations to bring the me- this message uh, to the global leaders at the United Nations. Anyway, uh, currently, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations has three very important documentaries, which you can find there at our website. They are Israel, Indivisible, The Case for the Ancient Homeland, The Forgotten People, Christianity and the Holocaust, and Lest We Forget. These three films will educate you and prayerfully stir up something inside of you that I wish that everybody had. You just have to see the films, be prepared to cry, and maybe even get a little bit angry. But anyway, they're really good, and they're a great thing to share with your church or other people. I know I share it with our church, and they're just dynamite. Anyway, today, but Lori is here to talk about her fight with the pro, with about the promotion of Islamic materials in children's textbooks. Folks, I've been watching this and for a couple of years, or more than a couple of years. I repent of that. Seems like ever since, uh, well, about 2008, or even before, actually 2000, uh, ever since 9-11, we've seen uh, this Islamic education creeping in to textbooks and to educating our children. I know some of you have noticed out there, even the field trips that children have taken to mosque and and police departments even taking field trips to mosque, it's getting really ridiculous. But now we'll ask Lori what she's got to say about it. Lori, are you with us? I am, Pastor. It's good to be back on the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, first, I want to thank you for all the work you've done educating people about Israel, and now this on this most important thing about truth in children's textbooks. I'm glad to see somebody stand up and fight about that. Well, you know, I never intended to get involved in anything like this. In fact, you know, I didn't have I I had heard about the curriculum and textbooks being used in Palestinian schools, but you never think that you're going to find some of the same propaganda in textbooks in the United States. Israel and the United States have a long, enduring relationship. So you would think that what we're teaching our children reflects that relationship and the values that we both share, the Judeo-Christian values. And unfortunately, um, to give your, your audience a little background on how I got involved in this, um, as you had mentioned, we produce award-winning media, and we distribute our, our documentary films and our 30-minute television program focused focus on Israel to over uh, 
200 countries reaching over 900 million homes through the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, where we, we have 10 networks um, and media outlets that we, uh, we air our programs through. So I always knew, Pastor, that if Christians were educated um, and they saw in the text of Scripture the things that God was revealing to me about his heart for Israel um, and about his end-time plan, um, which included Israel, I thought, you know, maybe we can change this. Maybe we can turn the tide of anti-Semitism because, you know, one of the problems that we still, still deal with in Christianity and I hate to say it, here in 2015 is replacement theology and supersessionism. And, um, and because of this mentality, and for, for those who are not familiar with replacement theology or supersessionism, replacement theology basically teaches that because Jews rejected the Messiah, God's covenant is done. It's over. Um, now he's going to um, uh, transfer that covenant to the church. But Paul was very clear in his teachings, both in the book of Romans, where he said in chapter 11, God's gifts and calling to Israel are irrevocable. And he warned the, um, the believers in Rome not to be haughty or proud of their newfound faith. So if you look at um, in what Paul said to the believers in Galatia, when he told them that you who uh, um, that um, if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Yeah, um, yeah. You look at the book of Ephesians, and when he was talking to the believers in Ephesus, he said that you who were once outside of the commonwealth of Israel had been brought into the commonwealth of Israel. So there's all kinds of texts of Scripture that, that validate and substantiate that. But unfortunately, because we don't study our Bible, because we study instead of from a Hebraic or Aramaic understanding of the text of Scripture, we are misled in this, at this end time, um, during these end time days. Yeah, and so yeah. as, as we were broadcasting our programs, one of the members, one of our watchmen, um, who actually happens to live in our county, in our um, community in Williamson County, Tennessee. And um, she contacted me because her son came home from school one day, and he said to his mother, he says, Mom, he said, tell me who really has rights to the land of Israel. And this is a young man. He's, he was a ninth grader at the time, 2012. He came from a very strong Christian home. He knew the Bible. He was homeschooled. Um, so he knew the text of Scripture, and he came home and he said, Mom, who really has rights to the land of Israel? And she said, what does the Bible say? And he said, no, Mom, I know what the Bible says. He said, but tell me the truth. Who really has rights to the land? And then there was um, a, another young man who was in the same class who, after um, hearing the presentation and hearing the the, the teacher um, um, expound on this Middle East crisis, the Arab-Israeli conflict, mm-hmm. this one student said, had he not taken the class, he wouldn't have known about the dangerous Zionist agenda. So when this parent contacted me and said, you'll never believe what's in our, our children's textbooks here in Williamson County, I said, well, bring it over and let me see. Well, sure enough, because she knows that our mission at PJTN is to combat anti-Semitism, 
we have to educate Christians so that they right. understand how to recognize what anti-Semitism is and how to combat it. And when she brought the book over to me, um, sure enough, I read a, a quote in her son's Human Geography textbook by Pearson Publishers that basically stated um, that was legitimizing uh, Palestinians blowing themselves up in a Jerusalem restaurant, killing Israeli teenagers teenagers because they were waging a war against Israeli government policies and army actions. So, of course, when I saw this, I knew exactly what this was. I knew that this was that they were trying to indoctrinate our children um, to have a view of the Middle East that is, that is antithetical to our view here in the West, in the United States, to our relationship with Israel. In fact, back in February, Gallup conducted a poll and 70% of Americans polled stated that they support Israel because Americans understand what terrorism is. They would not tolerate missiles raining down on their community, and that's why we still see a growing number of, of Americans who support and stand with Israel. Um, it's much likened to what happened with the prime minister when the prime minister spoke to Congress back in March this year, right. and he and the Prime Minister received a standing ovation, several standing ovations from our Congress. It's because our congressional members represent we the people, and Americans still, by and large, stand with Israel. So um, as I began to research the textbook and the instructional materials that were being used in Williamson County, Pastor, I was shocked and appalled because Williamson County for those of your listeners who are not familiar with, with Central Tennessee, but um, Williamson County is, is, is located right in the heart of the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's one of the top ten conservative um, uh, counties, uh, most affluent counties in the country. So we hold a lot of sway here in our community. So I have to tell you that when we found these textbooks, in our community, we knew that the enemy had, had made inroads within our school board, within our education system, and so we decided as a community, um, and of course as an organization, we decided to organize right. and mobilize our community to get rid of the textbook from the school. And so well, ironically... Let me break in for a minute. Um, this is, and I, I want to address the folks for a second. Folks, you need to really listen up to this, and, and I've been saying it for years. You really need to pay attention to what, if you send your children to a public school, you really need to pay attention to what you did. What I did when I had to, decided that to finally send my last son, my 14-year-old, over to school, I gave, made sure that they gave me a copy of their uh, history textbooks and geography textbooks so that I, uh, Lori, I go along with it, you know, chapter by chapter with them mm -hmm. uh, at the school. And, mm -hmm. and they welcome it if I tell, you know, I tell them, mm -hmm. hey, this isn't right, this history isn't right, and, and they welcome mm -hmm. the input. But I live in a uh, really small farm-like community, you know, that's got less than 500 mm -hmm. houses. And, in fact, they still give Bibles away in the school. You know what I mean? They let uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Gideons come there and do that. The larger the city you're in, the more danger you're in. But uh, mm -hmm. so going back to you, I just wanted to uh, input a little. Oh, absolutely. So as you stated, 
this is a growing problem in public schools. And it's not just here in, it's not just in Tennessee. Um, as we began to do the research, we started finding out, in fact, I was, when I, um, I went on, we launched a media campaign to expose what was happening. We targeted the superintendent of schools. We targeted the, the teachers in the school. We targeted the um, textbook publisher. Well, because of our media campaign, Fox News picked up the story, and Fox ran with the story for, for a couple of weeks. And um, as a result of Fox carrying the story, we started hearing from parents from all over the country who said that after they saw the, the segment about the textbooks, they had their children bring their textbooks, their history textbooks home. And sure enough, they opened up those textbooks, and they were finding similar comments. The textbooks are not just anti-Semitic, Pastor. They're anti-Judeo-Christian. They're anti-American. They're anti-West. They're anti-Israel. But you know what they're pro? They're pro-Islam. You find in these textbooks, you, you find sections on Judaism and Christianity that are minimized. In fact, in this one particular textbook, Christianity, they, they had only, I think there was a total of 13 pages on Christianity, 17 pages on Judaism, and a whole 37 pages dedicated to Islam. Not only wow. that, we're finding instructional materials that they have available with the curriculum. So the teacher gets the textbooks, she gets the curriculum, she gets study aids, um, she gets uh, tools that she can help teach the subject matter to the students. Well, we have um, PowerPoint presentations on Islam that glorify um, uh, uh, holy war, jihad, to make it look like a positive thing as to why people would want to convert to Islam. That Islam is an easy religion to convert to. There were no priests. Um, they, they have holy war or jihad. So they're glorifying that. They have, um, there are uh, uh, graphs, charts that are used that were published by CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And for those of you who are not familiar with who CARE is, CARE was listed as one of the unindicted co-conspirators in the largest terrorist fundraising operation in the history of the United States right. during the Holy Land trial in Dallas, Texas. We all may remember that. This, and I had an attorney once tell me, because I asked him, what is unindicted co-conspirator? He said unindicted co-conspirator essentially means that the government had the goods they had the evidence to put them away, but they ran out of money. I said, how convenient. How convenient. So here we have, we have materials that are published by CARE being used to teach our children. We had one school district in Tennessee where a teacher downloaded a paper on Mount Rushmore that was um, published by Louis Farrakhan, Nation <laughs> of Islam. And we all know about Louis Farrakhan. He hates yeah. white people, he hates Christians, he hates everybody that is, is, doesn't fit his, his um, perspective or his, that does not agree right. with his beliefs. Now, how did this happen? The reason why this teacher downloaded it is because the teacher felt she had the liberty to go anywhere she wanted on the Internet. So there's no boundaries put in place. There's no um, standards. They say, oh, there are standards, common core standards. But teachers can essentially go online, download any source, resource, 
and teach that to our children. This is very disturbing. And unfortunately, a lot of the teachers that have been in this school, in the education system for many, many years, a lot of them are retiring and they're leaving the field. And they are frustrated. They are frustrated because they see what's happening. It's the younger teachers who are coming out of the colleges and the universities who are being indoctrinated. So this is this is um, uh, standard fare for them. This is nothing yeah. new. So when, yeah, they, when you challenge them, yeah, so when a parent like myself challenges them, here I am in my mid-50s. I remember when history was taught accurately in, right. in our school. When, we, when they taught religion, they taught it in the context of a culture of a nation. They didn't teach, you know, oh, you have to you know, learn how to pray the Shahada prayer. But, right. but that's, what, that's what we're doing now. We're teaching our kids how to pray the prayer of conversion to Islam. We're teaching our children to do assignments, like um, create prayer rugs. And then we're taking, like you said in the opening of the program, we're taking our children to mosque, to introduce them to mosque. This is, yeah. and this is all part of a whole global system. And if you look at one of the biggest perpetrators of this problem, Pearson Publishing, Pearson has its tentacles in so many different areas. Not only is Pearson overseeing the Common Core, they oversee the College Board, they oversee our well, textbooks. And, Lori, let, and, me, and, let, me break, let me break in here. We're, we've only got about a minute before break. Um, this is just horrific. Um, I'm really glad to have you on today. Anyway, tell us where your website is so they can find it, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Absolutely. So they can visit our website, pjtn.org. We've got a lot of information there about the textbook battle. So pjtn.org. That's it, folks, pjtn.org. And, of course, if you're listening to this later in a podcast, we're live right now on radio, and, of course, it's live on the net. But anywhere that you go to get it out of podcast, there will be a link to her website, and I strongly advise you to go over there and get her educational uh, materials and support her in what she does. But if you got some textbooks that you know about, I'd get a hold of her. But we'll be back in three minutes. Dan will be right back. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies 
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Mission Watch Live on the American Voice Radio Network. Please remember to pray tonight about a donation for our work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. We'll course the homeless are poor, but we're also talking about the poor people that come to us from all over the city looking for help. Some of these people we've helped get out of homeless. Others have just heard about us. They come over. They know that we don't have everything they need, but they come over. They ask for advice. They ask for prayers because they know prayers work from the Wichita Mission Church. I can't tell you how many people we have um, 
been in on the, you know, I started to say that we, you know, that we prayed for, and it was such a great success. We didn't do anything. We were just allowed to pray for them, and the Father answered great, with great miracles for them. But people know that. They're, they're people of faith, and they come over asking out of faith. So, you know, we really don't get any help from organized churches or anybody like that, you know, they People refer them to us as, well, you need to go over there. There's the last resort. Go over there to that Messiah's Branch Mission Church. Go over there and talk to Pastor Dan. Well, you know, people that have millions of dollars in their budget send all these people over to us. Why? Because they know that we're people of faith and things happen there. Thousands upon thousands of people have been helping the 15 years that we've been doing this. And really much of the credit belongs, while all the credit belongs to the Father, he uses people like you to give us the money to do it. Because, you know, we're a mission church. The poor can't support what we're doing because they're the ones we're giving money to. They're the ones we're giving clothes to. They're the ones we're feeding. So, you know, it's people like you that help us out that keep us to do doing what we do. And uh, so pray about it. You know, we are the last hope for so many. And, folks, we are responsible to care one for another. And that caring one for another starts first with your family, and then it extends out. But we are our brother's keepers. Remember that. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. You can donate online or by mailing a check or money order, and you can find all this information at prophecyhour.com, prophecyhour.com. Or you can call me at 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682. And before I bring Lori back on, I want to point out to you again one other thing. This is the 4th of July coming this Sabbath. Um, that's the Day of Independence. You know, we can, you the people, we the people, are what made this nation great. But it was through our Judeo-Christian beliefs that did that. Don't let that slip out of our heritage. Don't, ex don't accept political correctness. You need to pray for this country, and you need to stand up for it, whether it's with our textbooks or whatever it is, you need to stand for what America always has been and not what these people on the left and the devil wants America to be. And now we're back with Lori Cardozo-Moore. Are you still there with us, Lori? We are here. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. That's a good I message to your audience. And it's, it's um, also equally appropriate um, for this 4th of July, this Independence Day, you know, a lot of people I talk to, Pastor, are frustrated, and, you know, I was listening to a radio talk show earlier, and they were saying that one in three people in the United States now is now would consider moving to another country. Yeah, one I in three. That. That's very disturbing that that's happened, and it's the only reason why it's happened is because we, the people, have turned our back on our responsibility. And we're all guilty of it. We've all been busy. We didn't get here overnight. This has been a long time coming. And the only way, you know, the Lord gave me a strategy when we took on this textbook battle. And he told me to go read the book of Nehemiah. So I went and spent one evening just reading the whole book. Right. And what stood out for me was the the um, strategy that he had. He came, he was given 
um, the, uh, the passage by the king to go and assess the damage of the walls surrounding the city of Jerusalem. They had been destroyed. And so when Nehemiah came and he, he evaluated, and, he, and he, we know in the text of Scripture, he went by himself and he surveyed the, how great the destruction. He came up with a strategy and he went to the leaders of districts and he went to people who lived in front of sections of the wall and he said he he convinced those people to just build the section in front of them, not to worry about the section in front of their neighbor's walls, but to only build theirs. And we know history and the text of Scripture recounts that he was able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in record time, 52 days. And the walls are important because the walls represent the security of the city. Yeah. And the Lord said that if you will go from county to county and tell my people, give them this strategy and tell them to build their section of the wall. He said that as each county across the state of Tennessee is um, united back together, as each um, county connects one with another, and as the states connect, as we do this across the country, as the states connect, we can rebuild the walls. But yeah, what, it same comes, what, it all, what it all comes back down to is that the people have to be willing to build. And if yeah. there were people that were willing, men, women, and children, who sacrificed their lives and their livelihood to give us this great nation, to fight for this, this nation, for what it is, for what we enjoy today, then surely this is the least that we can do in honor of the sacrifices that they made. And we are in a desperate place because, you know, if we, what we do today is going to determine our children and our children's children's future, should the Lord carry. We don't know when the Lord is going to return. We see the signs. We know it soon. But he told us to occupy. Yeah. And we can either be like the we can either be like Joshua and Caleb, who believed that we could go in and we could take the giants because we knew that God was with us, or we can be like the ten spies and wander another forty years because of doubt and unbelief. We can't yeah. afford to do that, Pastor. Now is the hour when we need to rise up and and say, I come in the name of the Most High God, what can you do to me? We must stand with Israel. We are looking at an administration. How in the world did the United States of America get to the place where we are, where we would turn our back, when our administration would turn our back on Israel? Um, just recently, there was a trade bill that was passed. And part of it was um, was uh, uh, penalizing uh, companies or countries who were boycotting Israel or Israeli products. Mm -hmm. And Obama said he wasn't going to honor that amendment in the trade bill, that provision in the trade bill. This is outrageous that this is happening. And this is happening from a Judeo-Christian nation. You know, we, we look at, at what's happening with our textbooks and what we're teaching our children, and we wonder why our country is in the condition that it's in. It's because we haven't taken up our, our mantle in, the, in this hour that God has given us. Because, you know, Pastor, God didn't bring us into the world 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. He brought us into the world today. He equipped us with everything that we would have need of. 
in order to fight this battle, to have the faith, to fight the fight of faith. And the only the only thing that is required of us is for us to respond. And I'm reminded um, of the prophet Isaiah when he heard the Lord speaking to the heavenly hosts, and he said to them, and, and Isaiah overheard him say, Whom shall I send, and who will go on our behalf? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, send me. And, Pastor, that should be the cry. That should be the calling of all of our lives that we would want to be like Isaiah, that we would see the damage, that we would assess the damage in our own community and rebuild the wall one county at a time. And I'm, I'm encouraging people to start with the, the whole political structure. And unless there are righteous men and women in office, then there is no hope for yeah. this country. But the school board is the most important foundational institution to start with and i'll tell you why because that is our future it is the long war yes we're we're fighting a short battle and a long war and the short battle is trying to to deal with the issues with the texas that we have today in our schools and trying to salvage this country but the long war is our children and the the liberals and the enemies of our, our the enemy of our soul has been fighting this battle for a long time, and we basically have have turned our back on the school system, and that's why we have um, children who don't have an understanding, an accurate perspective of the history, the founding of this nation. Um, you know, we were we were talking about the textbooks in the first segment, and I brought right. up Pearson Publishers. You know, what's so shocking about Pearson is Pearson Publishers is not is not an American-based company. It's they not. are British-based. They well, are funded... Let, let, let me ask you a question. So we're using... Mm-hmm. It's not an American company. We're using something that's un-American to give the education to our children? Yes. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Look at Europe. Look at what's happening in Europe. And we've turned right. our textbooks over to that culture to dictate to our children, is it any wonder that we see the United States going by the way of the U.K. or Europe? It's because we have allowed that culture to infiltrate our children's textbooks, and now we're teaching them the values that are antithetical to our values as a Judeo-Christian nation. And, you know, we we look at, um, you know, even Pearson. Pearson has has hired a um, an editor who edits their textbooks here in the United States, 37 states. And he is an Indian-born Muslim. He has publicly stated, and I quote, that he is waging a bloodless revolution in American schools. He is the head of the Council on Islamic Education. He edits the textbooks in history, um, for not just Islam, but for Christianity and Judaism as well. It's very disturbing to see that this is who Pearson has hired. But, you know, our strategy, Pastor, has worked, and I'm going to tell you why. We decided to launch a media campaign. We believed that if parents found out what was being taught to their children, the content of their textbooks, 
that parents would be outraged. It's outraged if you and I right. are. And we right. were right. The parents had no idea, so we we started broadcasting public service announcements on radio in the community, telling parents what was being taught to their children in the most conservative, affluent Republican county in the country. And the parents responded. They were outraged. It's why we ended up getting global attention. In fact, as a result of that, I think I mentioned previously, we have heard from several states across the country who are now engaged in this battle to remove Pearson, Texas, to expose Pearson. But Pearson, we ended up, by launching that campaign, um, using leveraging media, we were able to affect Pearson's bottom line. Within six months of launching our campaign against Pearson to expose them, their stock was falling in North America. Within, mm-hmm. um, by January of 2014, Pearson was laying off employees in North America. And recently, it's, it was uh, one of the members of our group has been contacted by Pearson, and they want to send uh, a couple of their staff from London to talk to us about the um, the issue of, of the textbooks can we get can we get along can we work together you know and of course what's interesting about that is the reason why they're coming to us a little community in Williamson County because they can't sell textbooks in Tennessee as a result of us exposing Pearson across the state and to our state legislature our legislators changed the laws with regard to how we evaluate and how we adopt textbooks. So I say all this, Pastor, this this was one thing. Let me insert this in here. Let me insert this in here. This is something I gleaned from what they sent me about what you said, but I think it's really important, and you can address this. But I have this statement. I'll just read this statement, and then you can uh, tell us what it is. Um, It says, as noted by the Act for American Education website, it's publicly stated in his own words that he's waging a bloodless revolution promoting world cultures and face in America's classrooms. You said that. Mm-hmm. And that the Council on Islamic Education has warned scholars and public officials who do not sympathize with its request that they will be perceived as racist, reactionaries, mm-hmm. and enemies of Islam. Wow. Now that's a profound that, statement. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's exactly right. That's how arrogant and how how prideful these people are that they think that they can get away with it. And if we don't stand up, they will. And so I want to encourage the um, your listening audience to understand whether you have a child in the public school system or whether you're a taxpayer in your community, you have a vested interest in what is being taught to your to the future of your community. And we all have a stake in this, and it's critically important that we go and we get the textbooks. You know, these are the summer months. You could go to any school in your community, go to the middle school, go to the high school, and just ask them if you could check out. You're a citizen. You can show them your address, your license, and say you'd like to check out a textbook, a history textbook, just to review what the kids are learning in the school during the year, during the school year and see what is being taught. And then I encourage your listeners, once you find the the egregious information similar to what we've talked about on the show today, please call me 
contact our office and let us help you organize and mobilize in your community. It only took one mother. It only took one student. And look at what's happened. This has become, this yeah, is yeah. a global swell of support. Um, I was in Israel uh, last month, in, well, in May, for the Global Forum on Anti-Semitism. And interestingly enough, they had the ministers of Hungary, Belgium, and Denmark, um, the ministers of education for those countries, who came and talked about the rise of anti-Semitism in their countries and what was being taught in their schools. Well, at the end of the presentation, they took Q&A, questions, and, and questions from the audience, and um, I got up and I told them about what the experience that we were having right. in the United States. And I said to them, I said, I have to tell you that you must clean this up. I said, because it is your publishing companies in Europe who are promoting this propaganda to our children in the West. And I said, you, you understand and you, you're clearly identifying the problem. We need for you to take the lead and, and address this issue, have a conference or a symposium with all the EU countries, meet with the, the ministers of education, and have a discussion about what's being taught in your textbooks. But it's, it's very frightening because, unfortunately, a lot of the, um, the uh, countries that are influencing our education system today is the Libyan government, as I told you, uh, I think I mentioned before that the Libyan government owns 26 million shares of Pearson stock. You have Qatar and you have Saudi Arabia who are heavily vested in educating the West to have a pro-Islamic view. They're not telling our children about the Christians that are having their heads cut off. They're not talking about Sharia law in the United States. In some communities now there are people pushing for Sharia courts. They paint right. Islam as a rosy religion that everybody wants to be part of. And it's very disturbing. But as I said, Pastor, it's up to us. It's up to us as believers who see the enemy advancing, just as, as God told the prophet Ezekiel that, when, when the enemy, when the watchman sees the enemy advancing on the city, that the watchman's responsibility is to warn the inhabitants. And if the inhabitants heed the warning, then, um, or if the inhabitants do not heed the warning by the watchman, then the blood of those who are, um, who, who are slaughtered will not be on the watchman's head. But if the watchman fails to warn the inhabitants of the city, and any innocent blood is shed. It will be required of that watchman. So too yeah, absolutely. are we. Ezekiel thirty three six. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let me let me insert something else in here. Um, you know, you said something that was really important. You're, you're saying it's the young teachers that are coming over that are being educated, you know, and, and I don't even, you could even say, well, maybe it isn't their fault, but where is the fault is is what we've allowed to become 
the educators, I mean, in the colleges and things like that. And I'm just going to, I don't like to plug somebody else's book while I'm talking to somebody else, but WorldNet Daily has a good book out. And I interviewed uh, Alex Newman on this subject. It's called, there's a book, you can get it from WND. It's called Crimes of the Educators. And uh, it will let you know what's going on in the colleges. And so you might think twice before you decide what college to send your child to. What do you think? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely. This is a growing problem on our university campuses, and it's one of the reasons why we're seeing this whole BDS, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions movement. We're preparing our children in the secondary schools so that when they enter onto our college campuses, they're being confronted with this. And and this is nothing new to them because we've already indoctrinated them before they even get to the university campuses. But I encourage, there's also another um, book that I would encourage your listeners to purchase. It's called The Trouble with Our Textbooks, and they can find it on Amazon. Um, but it's, it's The Trouble with Our Textbooks, Distorting History. And it's written by two Jewish authors, and they actually address the issue um, from a Jewish perspective, the content that is really? being taught in our textbooks, but it applies to us as Christians as well, because some of the same um, concerns that the, these Jewish authors had with our textbooks are the uh -huh. same concerns that you and I are discussing today on the program. So that's another book. But I also want to encourage your listeners, again, to go to our website at pjpn.org and to order our documentary films. Sit down with your children. Sit, um, have a, a, a Bible study group. Bring your Bible study group to your home. Show the films and then have a discussion afterwards. Um, yeah. Talk about um, the perspective that people that we hear, and then look at the scriptures because we always make sure that we have we apply the text of scripture to all of our films so that Christians understand when they walk away from the film they they become an Ezekiel thirty three watchman. And now that yeah. they've been armed with truth, now their responsibility is to go out and to proclaim that truth and then to defend it. And, you know, yeah, our Jewish true. brethren are counting on us. Um, we, we have to count on them. We need each other. They're the front line of, de of defense. And if we do not strengthen that front line, if the enemy advances through that front line, he's coming after us, the second line of defense. And, and we see it happening um, throughout the Middle East now with the slaughter of Christians. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, we're in a very strategic time, and, and we can't be silent anymore. We must stand up, um, and, and we must communicate this. So WND is a great source for educational materials, as you said, pjtn.org. Um, but, but, but we have to be informed. We can't, we can't be effective unless we are educated. Okay, let me break, let me break in. We're, we're, we're actually out of time here in a second, uh, couple, about a minute. Um, People, uh, you need to get those books. It's The Forgotten People, Christianity and the Holocaust, Lest We Forget, and also Israel Individual. And I also understand is, uh, what about your, your TV program? Is How do they get that? I, I don't know about uh, that one. Yeah, they can also order it's a 30-minute program, episodic program that addresses the issues it, with regards to Israel and our Jewish brethren that you don't hear on the mainstream media. And they can order that on our website as well. But it's okay. a highly acclaimed show. 
Right, and that and the website again, folks, is pjtn.org, pjtn.org. Well, Lori, again, I thank you for your wonderful work that you're doing, and I pray that you keep it up. Uh, we'll, I know we'll have you back on again, but today we're out of time, so thanks, and you be very blessed, dear. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing, Pastor. I appreciate you having me on the program today. All right, you be blessed. Bye-bye. Well, folks, uh, you know, I, Americans went to sleep. We got too many things to do. And then after it seems like, I don't know, back the 60s or so along, somewhere along the line, we got too interested in other things and took it for granted that that history we just passed down. I mean, you know, I know history uh, because I was taught it in school. I was taught correct history. And so when all this gar- leftist garbage and everything, I, I just can't believe I had a hard time wrapping myself around and even believing it was happening because I figured they were still educating what I got, what I was taught, but they're not teaching what we were taught as, as youth. I'm going to be 60 years old, but the younger people, you know, they're not getting that same education. Anyway, pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church. We really do need your help. Pray about a donation tonight. If you can make one online, that would be great. As we're going into the 4th of July, we really do need your help. But remember, folks, there is only one God. That is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for your repented sins. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You hear that? Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Lord our God, Father, King Universe, asking Yeshua HaMashiach's name, that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you and gives you peace. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas. 66851. Tune in next time from Messiah's Branch. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need, first aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851, or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com, or simply call 316-619-4886, 316-619-4886. 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom PSA count high, half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the Prostate Kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate glands. Call Apothecary Herbs for the Prostate Kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the Prostate Kit and empower yourself. Toll-free 866-229-3663 or international callers 704-875-8010. That's toll-free 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom
Herb Talk Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. Ooh, we're just on the verge of the 4th of July holiday, and I hope all of you out there, if you're traveling or if you're getting ready for get-togethers, I, I pray you have a safe and healthy holiday this weekend. Uh, we got a great show. We are going to be talking about how to remove kidney stones, because I've gotten numerous calls about this, and I'm like, okay. We've talked about this before, but we're going to get a little bit more specific on how to do it. So we're going to talk about that. Also, um, we might uh, cover some antioxidant news and things like that. We'll, we'll see how the hour rolls, and we do have a crack report. But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform, lifting them up today, especially this holiday weekend, 4th of July. Uh, we pray for them and lift them up in prayer lifting up all of America, praying. You know, I'm praying for the Supreme Court justices for some righteousness to kind of get in there. You know, they need some. And, you know, if you, if you look at Isaiah 66, it says, you know, if you're, if you're righteous and you're, and you're with the Lord, your bones shall flourish like an herb. And the hand of the Lord shall be uh, on you, towards you, towards you, your servants, and uh, toward and, and against your enemies, yeah. So if you grow close to the Lord, that's what He does for His people. You know, hope is in God. It's our anchor of our soul. Um, keeps us sure and steadfast. So let's let's uh, you know keep it real this Fourth of July weekend and every day of the year. Seek the Lord's face. Mind the time. It grows short. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. Hi, Frank. What do we got in the quacker? Let's see. Um, ooh, a scientist uh, found guilty of research fraud. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a former Iowa State University scientist who altered blood samples to make it appear that he had achieved a breakthrough toward a potential vaccine for HIV. He was sentenced Wednesday to four and a half years in prison because of his fault statements in his research reports. His name is Dong Pao Han, 58 years old. Um, uh, he got sentenced by the federal government agency, um, because, well, because the federal agency funded the research. So government prosecutors said Han's misconduct goes way back to 2008. He was working with Chase Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. He was working under the professor Michael Chow, and they were testing experimental HIV vaccine on rabbits. Uh, and he reported the vaccine was causing rabbits to develop antibodies to HIV, which is considered a major breakthrough. Uh, so he initially reported he accidentally mixed human blood with the rabbit blood, making the potential vaccine appear to increase an immune defense against HIV. Uh, so he continued to spike the results because he didn't want to disappoint his mentor, uh, Michael Chow. So government prosecutors sought prison time for him as a deterrent for others who might want to consider research fraud. And, oh, by the way, uh, other than the five years in prison or four and a half years in prison, he has to also uh, repay the NAS National Institute of Health that funded the research $7.2 million. Hmm, that hurt. Ah, uh, last but not least in the quack report, 
Uh, beekeepers in Germany are in the news. They're they're fighting against the GMOs to save their bees. Um, so about 100,000 German beekeepers are calling for a nationwide ban on the cultivation of GMO crops. Beekeepers are represented by the German Beekeepers Association. And they're pursuing the ban after the introduction of some legislation that allows member states to opt out of GM planting schemes, and it's been approved at the European Union level. So the new law allows member states to ban GMO agriculture in all or part of their territory, and the legislation is strongly opposed by GM proponents, of course, throughout EU. Of course, Agriculture Minister Christian Schmidt says he's calling for each of the states or regions within Germany to decide on the individual basis to ban or not to ban. But the beekeepers are arguing this is not effective uh, because of the range that bees travel to collect nectar. They said piecemeal approaches involving some areas that are GM-free and some are not uh, is unacceptable because bees have no borders, you know. Uh, the threat to the honeybees created by the GM agriculture comes from the widespread use of the pesticides uh, within that industry. Uh, they call them, uh, they contain nanocentrinoids, uh, which are proven toxic to the bees and other forms of life. So even though the new legislation allows the member states to ban the GMOs um, in part of their or all of their territory, they say legal experts say that Germany's going to face an uphill battle having a nationwide ban approved. So it'll probably end up, you know, in the European court to get a decision, and that's going to drag on, drag, drag, drag. That's how it is, you know, appeal after appeal, duh, you know, just, you know, delay after delay. That's how they work. Ah, well, pray for the beekeepers and all the bees all over the world. In Jesus' name, amen, right? And that wraps the quack report. Thanks, Frank. All right, we're going to be talking about kidney stones, how to remove them. Hmm. Okay, and this isn't medical advice. I'm just going to tell you what I would do if I was you. You do what you want. <laughs> but here we go. About 10% of the American populace between the ages of 20 and older, usually 20 to 30, though. More than 75,000 people waiting for kidney transplants every year right now. Now, the renal problems are many, with over 12% suffering from interstitial cystitis and more than 5% with the kidney stones. So the kidney stones are known to be very painful, very painful to pass those stones. And about a million Americans end up at their doctor's office or at the hospital in excruciating pain. Urinary, urinary tract infections have also increased in number, with over 13% of women and 3% of the men contracting one or more of these infections each year. And in America, 38% of women and 17% of men suffer with incontinence. So a related issue is an enlarged prostate that affects about 6.5 million men, which, you know, could also lead to prostate cancer. And that affects 62 out of every 100,000. And the Journal of the American Medical Association reported on those figures in 2007. But today I want to focus on the kidney stones. 
for this issue, for this segment of the show. So this is uh, this is a way is a way uh, to show you how you may avoid getting stones or get rid of them uh, before they become a chronic problem. So we're going to check this out. All right. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about the kidney because it is a precious organ. You can't live without them, as you know. So your kidneys, uh, they perform a very important job for you. So our creator God made our kidneys to filter approximately one quart of blood per minute. So all of the body's blood passes through the kidneys every seven minutes, which contain between two to four million filtering mechanisms in each kidney. Therefore, your kidneys can't be sick to perform all this function. So when they do get sick, the result is, you know, you get dirty blood um, and it brings disease and eventually death. So the main function of the kidneys is to remove waste products and excessive water from the blood. So when there is uh, renal problems, it is very dangerous because water, waste material, and toxic substances build up and that causes illness. So these problems can be things like anemia, high blood pressure, diabetes, acidosis, um, cholesterol problems, fatty acids, hormone impairment that is also produced by the kidneys and also bone disease. All right, let's look at what modern medicine does. Let's just take a snapshot here. During the early stages of renal disease, your allopathic physician will control your illness through diet. So the amount of protein and phosphorus that you consume, as well as sodium, will be monitored. People say, well, why? Well, your body uses protein to function and repair and damage parts of the body. After it uses the protein from the foods you eat, a waste product is created called urea. So your kidney's job is to remove this waste, but if they are not functioning well, the urea builds up into the system. So for the same reason, your kidneys may not be able to remove phosphorus from your blood, which creates calcium loss in the bones, and you get weak bones. So if the kidneys can't remove the sodium, you're going to develop also high blood pressure. So the average person may not be concerned because, you know, well, the physician has a lot of drugs I can select from. And when the drugs don't work, then what? Well, then there's dialysis. And then as a final measure, you're put on the kidney transplant list. And if you do get a transplant, it's $250,000. Let's talk about the types of stones that you can develop. Um, You men out there, you're at a higher risk than us females, but here we go. Usually there's calcium stones. We're told that the kidney stones that cause people a lot of trouble are accumulated crystals made of calcium oxalate or calcium phosphate or uh, malolate, which is a salt and malic acid combo. So the patients being treated for, let's say, psychotic disorders, they can be using prescriptions that increase the malic acid and that increases the risk of developing kidney stones. So taking large doses, too, of ascorbic acid, a chemical form of vitamin C, can also increase the malic acid. And men between the ages of 20 and 30 seem to be at the higher risk bracket for this calcium type of kidney stone. Then there's the uric acid type of stones, which are very common for men as well to develop. Patients being treated for gout or cancer with chemotherapy have a higher risk of developing kidney stones made with uric acid. 
And then there's the struvite stone. These kind of kidney stones are predominantly found in females due to the higher frequency of urinary tract infections. So the struvite stones, they can grow very large, and they can obstruct the duct. And then there's the cysteine stone, which are rare. They're rarely found, and but they do affect both males and females if they do occur. And it usually occurs if you have a genetic disorder called cysteine urea. All right, let's talk about the kidney stones that tend to be manufactured because of the medications you're taking. Prescription meds known are known to cause a majority of the kidney stone cases every year, and their drugs that we we typically take, uh, a lot of people take, uh, things like diuretics, the diuretic drugs, the triamethamine uh, drugs, the diuretics, also the pain medicines to treat nerve pain that could be associated with conditions like shingles, herpes, cold sores, and chickenpox. Also, medication for hyperthyroidism increases the absorption of the calcium and phosphorus, and then the renal acidosis is created and the likelihood of developing stones results. All right, let's talk about who's at a higher risk. Well, yeah, who's at a higher risk of developing kidney stones? Well, according to Healthline.com, you are at a higher risk of developing kidney stones if you produce less than four cups of urine output per day, if you are between the ages of 20 and 40 years of age. And if you are maybe a premature infant, you're at a higher risk category. Other factors that can increase your risk is your ethnicity, such as are you Caucasian, you're at a higher risk. Males, of course, are at a higher risk of getting stones. Past history of kidney stones will, you know, up your risk as well as family history of kidney stones. Also, if you tend to be dehydrated, you're overweight, you're on that high-protein salt and sugar diet. If you have gastric bypass surgery or you take medications which promote the formation of your kidney stones, well, then you're at a higher risk. Well, let's talk about the symptoms. Other than pain, what symptoms could suggest that you have kidney stones? Well, you may have other symptoms before the kidney stones move towards the urine tubes from the kidneys to the bladder, and this is, cause, this is what causes the severe pain called renal colic. So there may be other signs like blood in your urine, nausea, vomiting, chills, fever, discolored or foul-smelling urine. These are all symptoms that could, you know, come before your pain attack. So when the stones begin to move, there could be this dull or shooting pain on one side of your back or on your abdomen. So men typically report that their pain radiates to their groin area. So the intense pain comes and goes as the stones make their way down the narrow urine tubes. So there can be spasms, and most likely there's going to be these little barbs on the stones, the crystals that can tear into the tissue on the tubes, causing the blood to appear in the urine. Now, during this phase, patients are very restless. Mm-hmm. So a higher risk is if a stone is too large to pass and obstructs the tube, the urinary obstruction, that's what they call it. And this can cause kidney infection and damage, nothing you want to mess with, okay? Definitely seek treatment. Use your common sense out there. All right. Now let's say you think you have a stone. Well, if if you go to your allopathic physician, uh, they're going to run some blood tests. 
They're going to check for the calcium, the phosphorus, and the uric acid levels, as well as the uh, creatinine to check your kidney function. Also, a urine analysis will be ordered to check for evidence of crystals, bacteria, white blood cells, and blood in the urine. So if you passed a stone, that's going to be examined to determine its type. So if an obstruction is suspected, some expensive tests are going to be run. You may have x-rays, MRIs, CT scans, or an ultrasound, just to name a few. Now, if there is no obstruction or risk of infection to the kidney, the standard course of treatment is going to be taking narcotic pain medication and drinking lots of water to flush the stone. Antibiotics may be prescribed to avoid infection or if one is present. And if the stones are large, some uh, sound waves using the extracorporeal shock waves called the lithotripsy uh, can be used. And this is an uncomfortable procedure, and you will need to be anesthetized. Side effects can be bruising of the abdomen, back uh, bruising, uh, with bleeding near the kidney or other organs in the same location. So if there are stones obstructing tubes, then tunnel surgery may be ordered, and it's called the precantineous uh, pre nephrolifotomy. Nice long name. So they, what they do is they go in through the back area, make an incision, and find and remove the stones. Now, if the stones are stuck in the tubes or the bladder, then they remove them with the urethoscope, always fun, uh, which is a wire with a camera attached, inserted through the urethra and passed up into the bladder. Mm, they got a little basket and they grab the stone and pull it out. I'd like to avoid all that if I can. I know you would too. So what you want to do, folks, is avoid dehydration. Mm -hmm. One way to avoid the formation of your kidney stones is to stay hydrated with water. And it kind of amazes me that medicine will tell patients, you know, stay hydrated by drinking soda. Well, soda's high in sugar. It extracts calcium from bones and deposits the calcium in the kidneys to make stones. Okay, so if you have a history, family history of stones, if you had a, an attack or two, just no soda. No, water, 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 water. All right, did you know there are herbs that can help cleanse these fine filters of your kidneys and help dissolve stones or crystal formations? Did you know that? All right, well... There are. Herbalists will use herbs to help dissolve these stones, reduce inflammation and spasms and pain, soothe the tissue, and protect against infection. So herbalists will make sure to use herbs that have a compatible function to help remove the stones with what is called a demuculant herb to protect the mucous membranes and avoid that excruciating pain flushing out the crystals. So also, adding a stimulant herb is nice to carry these medicinal properties to the kidney area, and it's also a plus, you know, because then it works quickly. Now, finally, herbs are also used to help tone and heal the kidneys, the tubes, the bladder. That should be included, and you will find the herbs that you need to help you do all this, dissolve and flush, um, to tone and heal and to you know, avoid a lot of that discomfort. Um, if you call the folks at Apothecary Herbs because they have a kidney bladder cleanse kit and it has tea and a tincture inside 
and you use these two items together for that compatible function we just mentioned. Now, they do have also a pain anti-inflammatory formula if you want to take the edge, a little bit more of the edge off, and also a blood cleanser, which has got some powerful herbs in there to make sure that you don't get a kidney infection. So a good idea is basically to get into the habit, a routine of cleansing your organs twice a year uh, to avoid this kind of thing. Uh, You can call Apothecary Herbs and inquire about their organ cleansing. They have a bunch of formulas for that. They have immune boosters and a whole lot more. Their toll-free number is 866-229-3663, And for the folks outside the U.S., 704-885-0277, or visit them online at thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com. You can get there, type in an herbtalklive.com as well, and that's where your healthcare options just became endless. You are powerful, you have tools and information, and you can, um, well, you can just move forward in uh, the best health possible. So the herb cleanse kits are excellent, you know, to have on hand for emergencies, too, moving into the future, whatever the future may have in store. And the herb formulas have a 10-year shelf life, so you'll be fine with that. And you can take advantage of their Independence Day special. You can save 15%, 15% on your order of $50 or more when you use their coupon SAVE and the number 4, SAVE4. And uh, you want to hurry, though, because that special ends on Monday the 5th. And uh, so you want to take advantage of that. Check that out at thepowerherbs.com or give them a call at 866-229-3663, And for those of you that um, have been there before and have registered, um, you get redemption or reward points. So reward points are nice. You can also recoup those for savings regardless of a special that they're running. So uh, uh, you can uh, use your points or use the coupon. There you go. Uh, if you're on their website, don't forget to fill out for the newsletters. They have free online newsletters. Again, great information to empower you. Always nice to have knowledge. And uh, they go out twice a week. You can receive the American Survival Newsletter. It goes out on Tuesday. Or you can sign up for the Health Quest Newsletter that goes out on Friday. Or you can sign up for both if you'd like. And uh, you'll get a bunch of information there. Check that out online. You have to have email to receive them, okay? So they're not a hard copy that is snail mail to you. Uh, Some people think it is, but no, (laughs) not at all. All right. We're going to talk about antioxidants. we got a break coming up, but I want to get this all set up. Antioxidants are real important. A lot of people have talked about them. They're not anything new in the news area, uh, but a lot of times we forget about them. We forget how important they are and how packed our foods are and our herbs are with antioxidants. Uh, most people admit that they, you know, wouldn't mind living forever or at least look like they're as young as they, you know, can be. So antioxidants help you with that. They help you achieve, you know, that the youthful look, as youthful as humanly possible. So we find different amounts of antioxidants in foods like our vegetables, fruits, whole grains, uh, nuts, eggs, fish, meat, lagoons. So we're going to check out how we can, you know, pack our diet full of antioxidant foods and really help our cells be revitalized and feel younger. Now, in a nutshell, antioxidants clear 
away or they minimize toxins or byproducts made by our cells that um, damage the system by interfering with the cellular, cellular repair and the regeneration process. So we want to get rid of that oxygen free radical stuff. So the uh, the, associ the association of this process is, um, you know, when you take a, an open a bottle of virgin olive oil, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, vibrant oil. But when it's exposed to air, it the rancidity begins. See, it's exposed to oxygen. So this is the same kind of idea when our cells are exposed to those free radicals. So when this occurs, uh, we're more vulnerable to disease like diabetes heart disease, cancer, and macular degeneration. So we want to preserve our eyesight, our bodies, our hearts, and, uh, you know, get control of all this and uh, stay healthy and well and more vital. And that's what we're going to do. I know we're going to come do a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the most common foods that are going to help us do that. Be right back. life into the original medicine herbalist wendy wilson will be right back as men get older they are subject to hormone imbalance and when this happens men can experience osteoporosis memory loss, irritability, blood sugar imbalance, weight gain, enlarged prostate, erectile dysfunction, and risk of stroke. The human endocrine system manufactures hormones. Why not feed your system plant nutrition to make the hormones that are right for you? For centuries, these herbs have been used to balance the male hormone system. Men, you've waited long enough for the male hormone formula. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866 229-3663 for the male hormone formula. 866-229-3663 or online at thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663 where your healthcare options just became endless. Don't trust anyone wearing a mask. Robbers, cattle rustlers, or doctors. I listen to Herb Talk Live. Don't make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 
229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. here. All right, we're talking about antioxidants, how we can just look gorgeous um, <laughs> and more useful just by, you know, upping our antioxidants. Um, the most common foods you may be aware of containing a lot of antioxidants are your vitamin A-rich foods, carrots, squash, broccoli, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, kale, collards, cantaloupe, peaches, and apricots. Mm. I'm hungry already. So these foods have that orange or yellow pigment and sometimes dark green pigment to them. Now another group of foods is your vitamin C-rich foods, like your citrus fruits, your oranges, of course, limes, strawberries. Uh, But it's also, you get some vitamin C in your green peppers and your tomatoes. Also, you want to make sure you get some vitamin E foods uh, in your diet. So lots of good olive oil will contain antioxidants, uh, foods that also have selenium in them. So shellfish, if you're into shellfish, uh, regular fish, meat, red meat will have it, chicken and garlic. However, if you are not real keen on eating, you know, um, 
you know, uh, you know, scientific scoops of antioxidants, you know, uh, and you and you want to check out, hey, desserts. Are there any desserts that have antioxidants in them? Uh, well, your favorite dessert may be a hot fudge sundae then. <laughs> and don't forget to include the walnuts because they are extremely high in natural antioxidants. Now, according to some new research from the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania, just seven walnuts a day can boost your antioxidants, but they have to be right out of the shell, no processing, no sugar, salt, oils, heat, none of that stuff. Now, researchers also claim that the walnut has more antioxidants than your almonds, your peanuts, pistachios, and hazelnuts, Brazil nuts, cashews, macadamians, and pecans. Now, whatever you do, don't roast these nuts because it decreases the antioxidant content. And everybody is so used to them, you know, salted and, and, and rolled in sugar and all that. So when you eat your nuts raw, you will benefit from not only protein and vitamins and minerals and fiber, they're also going to have those antioxidants there. Now, other studies have suggested that nuts can regularly reduce the risk of your heart disease or cancer, gallstones, and type 2 diabetes. Antioxidants are also going to assist in improving your digestive problems, if you've got digestive problems. Now, there are some herbs that are also high and rich in antioxidants. You know, I'm the herb woman, so i got to talk about this. Uh, there are several herbs that naturally contain high antioxidants, and many of you probably have some right now. Uh, you use them every day, maybe. Uh, they have this extra benefit then. You're, you're going to get antioxidants in them. So here's the list of herbs with high, high antioxidant protection. Um, ginkgo leaf, hops flower, garlic, golden seal root, horseradish root, gutta cola leaf, milk thistle leaf, hawthorn berry, and thyme, T-H-Y-M-E. So um, those are going to have some really high antioxidant levels for you. Now, most herbs and spices do contain some antioxidants. So if you want to use higher ones like garlic to obtain more of the antioxidants, you want to use them raw. You don't want to cook them or anything. Um, so if you have your things raw, you'll have one and a half times more of the antioxidants than if you got a processed, dried garlic. Like if you're using, you know, garlic salt on your, you know, Italian, uh, you know, toast for, you know, spaghetti, garlic toast, it's not the same as raw garlic, okay? Um, you know what you can do with that garlic toast? Here's, here, you, can, you can make your toast with the butter. Bring it out of the oven. It's all nice brown and crispy. Put your put your raw minced garlic right on that, okay? And you're not cooking the garlic, okay? It may get a bit warm from the toast, but you're not cooking the garlic to death. Now, the richest part of the antioxidants, and when we look at our herbs, it comes from either the leaf or the root. However, you're going to find antioxidants in some bark and stems of herbs and spices. U.S. Department of Agriculture, their researchers are very aware of the high benefit of antioxidants in some of our foods. So they have actually charted many of the food sources which contain significant levels of antioxidants, such as one gram of cinnamon has a ranking, an oxygen radical absorbance capacity, if you will, of 2,675 and if you use one gram of cloves, it has a ranking of 3,200. 
Oregano ranks at 2,000, mm, antioxidant rank, uh, per gram. Another comparison is cherries. They have a ranking of 160 per gram and blueberries 2,300 per gram. So if you want a free list of some of these highest antioxidant ranked foods and herbs with the, um, you know, the, the ORC, the Oxygen Radical Absorption Capacity Rating, uh, you, you can call us at Apothecary Herbs. Uh, we can send it to you, uh, either in the mail or we can, uh, we can uh, email it to you, whichever. All right, let's talk about antioxidant pluses. Uh, you're going to find that an intake of antioxidants is really just part of being healthy and looking it. Uh, diet exercise, drinking lots of water, avoiding the smoking, the excessive alcohol, it's all part of the mix. You can actually just, you know, cancel your antioxidants by doing some really bad living. Often you will see reports of um, the health benefits of drinking some wine, like it improves blood vessel function. Well, the antioxidant benefits from grape are in the seeds and the skins, but they're not in the alcohol. Okay, so that is why you're going to see vitamin stores, you know, selling grape seed or grape skin antioxidant supplements. Now, don't forget that we uh, got to mention some fruit contains antioxidants, and one fruit in particular is really high uh, with the omega-3 fatty acids as well, and that's olives. Olives is a fruit has a pit in it, or as our herbalists say, a stone in the middle. So it is a fruit. A lot of people don't think of it as a fruit, but it is. All right, so uh, you can check that out, some olives for antioxidant use. Now, most people don't think of the olive as a fruit, like I said, but it does qualify as one. All right, so let's get to the best of the best, shall we? Absolutely. Uh, you know that you can eat better and obtain more, antioxid- more antioxidants, uh, you, but sometimes you don't always do that, right? You can't always eat so well. Uh, so you may want to back up. So, um, you know what I like as my backups is spinach, alfalfa with the rich chlorophyll plants that magnifies my antioxidant intake. And I, what I do is I like that because the absorption rate, it's easy, easily digested. Uh, so you're going to find that benefit in a product called Body Foundation Food Mix. People at Apothecary Herbs make that. Um, also, you can you can also, you know, Get those list of nutrients we just talked about in your diet. You know, uh, you, now by the way, spinach has an ORC rating of over 2,300. Alfalfa is 930, and any of your chlorophyll plants are going to be in the high 1700s. So there you go. Absolutely fabulous to get that. Now, if you're looking for herbal liquids, hawthorn berries also have your antioxidants. Um, milk thistle as well as we mentioned. Um, so there's a lot of formulas, of, like the female formulas have that hops flower, awesome antioxidant for the females balancing their cycle. Uh, if you're looking for the garlic, of course, there's lots of formulas with garlic, like the fresh garlic with the all-in-one and uh, has that horseradish with it as well. They do have thyme tincture in tea with lots of antioxidants for you and the children. And don't forget, to, if you're on the website, check out their uh, Dr. Mom approved uh, uh, icons. So um, moms have weighed in on a bunch of products there, so you can uh, check that out and look at customer feedback also on each page with products so you can see what other people are saying. So check that out when you can with your antioxidants and go to the PowerHerbs.com website, The Power Herbs, 
or give them a call toll free at 866-229-3663 or thepowerherbs.com. All right, we have a few minutes, so I think we're going to be talking about some um, history of medicine or the roots of medicine, if you will, for just a few minutes. Um, You know, a while back, uh, one of the listeners had asked me if I knew the origins of the prescription pad symbol, the big R with the little X uh, you see on doctor's prescription pads. Uh, I had to admit I really wasn't familiar with the specifics of that origin of that symbol, but it was an interesting question. So we're going to look at that and see what the symbol means that you find on every prescription pad in the United States and what it means. You see it also in pharmacy signs, you know, pharmacies that hang out their their shingle, if you will, their sign. Um, Sometimes in doctor's offices you'll see it there as a promotional logo as well. I had to ask myself, you know, is this a Latin thing or is this maybe, you know, a modern invention or does it have a deep, mysterious past to it? So we're going to check out what this prescription RX means, how it was created, how did it wind up on the prescription pad, you know? Um, well, after research, searching around a little bit, I, I realized that there's a lot of myths that tend to get mixed in with facts regarding the development of this prescription symbol. A majority of the sources say that, you know, the symbol is a question that stems from medieval Latin, and it means take recipe. Other sources insisted that it's a symbol from ancient Egypt or Greece. The Greeks referred to uh, juniper or the eye of Horus with this symbol. Now, some reports state that the ancient Egyptians used the symbol a similar one, actually, to depict the Eye of Horus and its um, mystical powers. And I could see that a little bit, you know, a relation of that and some of that. But I was skeptical. So it was a stretch for me. So I was also, um, uh, I saw a report that the word pharmacy or pharmacia have their beginnings in the mystical practices of alchemy, sorcery, and witchcraft. Mm. So the ancient Egyptian Piper scrolls Uh, dated to be created around 1550 B.C., recorded over 800 compounding medicines, of which 700 are still being used today. So the Egyptian word for pharmacy is listed as pharmakia, and it's translated as bestower of security. So the first record written prescription was discovered in Mesopotamia, written on a clay tablet dated to around 2100 B.C. The drugstore, apparently, as we know it today, was created in ancient Baghdad during the 8th century. Other old English abbreviations using the little X are uh, the TX, which means treatment or transplant, the HX, which means history, or or the DS means diagnosis. So if we trace the beginnings, of this pharmacy, whether we're, you're in, whether we're from European, Asian, or Egyptian origin, they all tend to point back to ancient Babylon rooted in that sorcery and witchcraft, which is really kind of creepy. 
Well, let me read you this quote by Phil Greggio. He's a pharmacist. He says the R, the big R, came from the term recipe, and the little X refers to the Aya Horus, Egyptian stuff. So the Egyptian god was referred to as the father of pharmacy. I did not know that. And in some Mexico pharmacies, he says, you will see a symbol of the I, the physical I symbol, with the X next to it as their pharmacy logo. Huh. Well, I don't think I've been to a pharmacy in Mexico, but okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about how they writ- wrote prescriptions. You know, the, the old-fashioned prescription was written out like a recipe. Prior to the 19th century, the apothecary would write out the instructions on how to make the medicine or would provide the formulated medicine with instructions on how to take it. So back then, the physician was regarded as a mere therapist. That's something. So in 1980, the pharmaceutical handbook was published, and it refers to the Latin definition of big R, little x, to mean fiat mystria, or translated as let a mixture be made. So prior to the 19th century, apothecaries and later pharmacists were required to have the knowledge of compounding medicines. Somewhere along the line, the natural physician, who was also the apothecary compounding the medicines, was replaced by this new philosophy separating the two, and creating a great division in health and healing. So by the 1920s, only 80% of your compounded medicines were mixed by pharmacists, and by the 40s, it had dropped to 26%. And then by the 1970s, only 1% of pharmacists actually had any knowledge of compounding, and it was all mostly done exclusively by pharmaceutical companies and prepackaged products that were made by them. Interesting course, isn't it, how that worked out. So we got the power of the prescription pad here. And the early medicines made in the United States were made with organic ingredients and compounded by pharmacists with the mortar and pestle, you know, to suit the individual needs of the patient. After the 1950s, all that changed, and the pharmacist merely hands out the prepackaged pharmaceutical drugs. So the word prescription, or pre, means before, and script means written, stems from the order for a compounded medicine to be prepared specifically for that patient. But notice that prescriptions order the patient to take and not give deferring, uh, and, and not give deferring the order is strictly for the patient. However, the mortar and pestle has become this industry symbol for a pharmacy which rarely compounds medicines anymore. So the nature of the prescription has changed along with medicine. It covers a very broad scope of assessments. The prescription can include laboratory tests, other studies like x-rays or imaging, and just about anything which can be interpreted as a necessity for the benefit of the patient. For instance, you know, a doctor can write a medical prescription for time off from work or school on a prescription pad and give it to you. So the prescription pad is not long for the dustbin as technology is kind of erasing the need for the pen and paper and prescriptions can be verbally given over the phone or electronically submitted via the internet 
Um, so yeah, you won't be seeing the prescription RX very much longer, I think, in print anyway. According to the National uh, Academics of Science, uh, the Academy of Science Institute of Medicine and the Pharmacists Association, handwritten prescriptions can be difficult to read. Do you think? Have you ever tried to read one of those? I used to work at a hospital. Goodness. You know, reading that stuff was just like uh, looking like a two-year-old did it. Doctor's handwriting is known to be atrocious, sloppy, downright illegible, which, you know, Guess what? Kills more than 7,000 people a year because it was not read properly. Physicians will still use Latin words and abbreviations as instructions on their prescriptions, so pharmacists have to interpret and distinguish between these terms. So for this reason alone, you're going to see fewer handwritten prescriptions involving medical treatments. So in Europe, doctors and pharmacists are required to take two years of Latin as part of their training. Interestingly, in the European countries, the big R little X abbreviation, it has been replaced by the big R little P, which means invocation, and it's Latin for to take from the shelf. So doctors can prescribe for themselves and their families, and the Latin reference for this is ad usum paporium, which means for own use. There you go. All right, now, in the 1920s, a U.S. drugstore called Rexall. Remember this? I do. I remember the name. I wasn't around then, but I, I remember seeing some old ads for it, you know? Rexall. Well, in the 20s, this is, this, this is a chain of drugstores that came about. This chain was very popular until the 70s. So it, it's an interesting thing that the R-E-X, in the name is Latin, it means king. So it would seem that the creator of this drugstore chain took the symbol for the prescription and inserted an E in between. And it seems very interesting that the medical profession and the pharmaceutical products have some very mysterious roots to them. So we have not forgotten that the medical industry has also kind of become a political uh, proponent one for leveraging whatever means necessary to, I don't know, remove competition uh, to essentially be king or ruler over someone's health. Hmm? At least that's, you know, I think their goal. Well, let me read you um, this quote by uh, medical chemist Shane Ellison. He was on the show uh, a while back. He's also the author of that wonderful book, Over-the-Counter Natural Cures. If you don't have it, I'd go get a copy. So he says, as a drug chemist, I had to face a cold, hard fact. Western medicine has become a billion-dollar empire, not out of keen science, but rather deceit. The end result has been one nation under drugs with slavery and sickness for all. This Subjugation has set a standard of health in America that is sick care disguised as health care, end of quote. I couldn't agree more. He nailed that one. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, never in a time in history has it become more vital for people like you and me to have to look after our own health. Be proactive, okay? Pharmaceutical drugs 
cause about 100 chemical changes in your metabolism. And most people take 50, uh, 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 most people over 50, I should say, don't just take one drug. You know, they take several, um, at least five. The average is five. So um, if you're taking one drug and it causes 100 chemical changes and then you're taking several more, that's 100 times 100 times 100. You know what I'm saying? So what are those chemical changes? Well, science doesn't know. Doctors don't know. Pharmacists don't know what those changes are going to be. It's a big question mark. Your big combination lock, it's whatever it's going to be. It kind of baffles me why people, after knowing that, would still, you know, take prescriptions like that. Um, you know, get them from their doctor, fill them, take them. Wow. Uh, wouldn't... Um, wouldn't you rather just avoid all that? I know I, I, I do. I avoid it. I, I, I am proactive. I work hard at being proactive, you know, because that's the, that's the trade-off, you know. I mean, I think taking white man's medicine with all these drugs and stuff is, is kind of like lazy man's medicine. You know, you just pop a pill and hope for the best. No work involved. No worries. Well, if you care about your health, you care about you know the vessel of the Holy Spirit. If you if you care about God's creation, you're going to work to preserve it and take care of it, and that's what everybody should be doing. Uh, taking all these drugs is really just um, toxic overload in the end, and they don't work. And then you you're, you're falling back to the last resort, which would be what I don't know what medicine they have. Maybe it's surgery. Maybe they don't have anything. And then you're really in the lurch. I mean, because all these prescriptions tend to weaken the body. Shane's book is an excellent book. We'll, we'll just explain it in such a way that everybody can understand it. You know, your cells literally fall apart when you're on these drug chemicals. They're forcing the body to react in a way that gives you the illusion of health for a time. And then um, it's just, you know, the, the body just gives up after a while. So that weakens you. It's a crutch. Always ask, is this going to strengthen me or is this going to weaken me? Those are the real important questions when somebody suggests a treatment to you. Okay? Does it cleanse and nourish me or does it pollute me with toxins and make me sick later on? Am I going to have side effects and more drugs to take? You know, I mean, it's clear to me what side to be on, but people just love to go to those white coats. I don't know. Boost your immune system, cleanse and nourish the body, and you can sidestep a lot of that internal medicine problem. If you'd like to learn more, call Apothecary Herbs. They'll send you a free product catalog, and you can empower yourself. The toll-free number is 866-229-3663. 866-229-3663. Thepowerherbs.com is the website. Get there, type in an Herb Talk Live if you'd like, .com, and empower yourself. I'm out of time. But have a happy 4th of July. Be safe out there. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease. Seek medical advice if you dare. A licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. And until next time, I wish you all to be well.
radio network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.